dearie, hi dearie, hey dearie, ho. From my cold, dead hands. Tales from the East, and, and it's me, Gary P, and the prop, Kyle Normal service has resumed. We are top of the league. 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 What a performance, Unbelievable. Gary. Hang on. Oh, don't be annoying me, bro. Is something wrong I with... I think it's off a little bit, the sound. Is it the settings? Oh, let me check. Just let me turn it down to uh, one now. We're good now, yeah. <laughs> hey, and that was it. Two one eight, Prof. We are back and I'm back on top of the table with a resounding victory in Sligo. Absolutely brilliant. One of the most enjoyable trips in a long, long time. Unbelievable performance. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Seriously, it was so enjoyable. I'm gonna move on, but we'll, we'll, we'll move on. We'll talk about it soon. But um. Yeah, so of course, Prof has procured some fantastic interviews again. And we have uh, two interviews ahead of the trip to Norway with Stig, the creator of the Mull, the podcast, and Gary Hogan, an Irish goalkeeper, who've been playing and coaching in the Norwegian lower leagues for nearly 15 years. And we'll talk a little bit about industry, is the word that came to mind when you hear this fella. So You went in depth on that, on that aspect, didn't you? Yeah, yeah it's a brilliant. It was nice insight, so you'll, you're going to love this one. Uh, James Kelly Prof. Oh, oh, don't forget our fantastic sponsors. It's Ocean Electrical. Oh, he's gone back to point five. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so we've Ocean Electrical. And of course, that's a credit. And check them out for all of your uh, needs. Electrical. And uh, if you need a new carpet in the sitting room, they'll look after you. That's a credit. New carpet in the sitting room. So James Keddy and Anto Wilkes, great uh, response to this prop last week. Uh, went to Mexico, never came home. <laughs> Started with Liam Neeson film. <laughs> yeah, it was Back gr- from the dead. Great personal story, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, James messaged me afterwards after we did that interview, and he said that he sent a picture of you know the infamous "fuck Talga" one. Mm-hmm. And he said he said, "Look at the, the young fella, second from the left." That's me with my older brother. He's standing beside that flag. He said he used to go to Milltown every second week. Ah, oh, deadly. 
Deadly. Uh, Fielder has no one attempted a Ferrazoi tune to stay in alive. Oh, has anyone tried this? So what would you do? Justin, Justin, Ferrazoi, Ferrazoi, <laughs> Justin. Ju- I don't think it'll take off. To be honest, it's up there with the Sambon, Sambon, calcium song. Um, one thing I forgot to mention last week was Father went up of the nineteen fifty seven European Cup game, or the League of Ireland's first ever European match. Uh, Robbers against Man United in the European Cup and uh, Joe Barnes came up to me and he was like did you see that picture went up online and I said yeah why and he said I was at both legs oh my god and I was boat like legs. I've never sp- you had to do way leg I've never spoken to anyone who was at Old Trafford that game that's fascinating bring Joey back Um, yeah the second leg uh, Paddy Cole was supposed to have been sensational and the whole team got a stand ovation from the United fans so that would have been amazing to be there. Yes, and of course, big loss for the Hoops community. Coolio has passed away, Prof. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, he'd be down in the flats and all with the boys on the sesh, down in Ring's End and all sorts. He'd be fucking milling points in the Black Forge and everything. Oh, I wasn't aware of the Ring's End Coolio link. No? Yeah, yeah, there's something you don't hear every day, is it? Known for his uh, famous, incredible songs such as Gangster's Paradise. And so the World Cup. That's uh, it. <laughs> That's it. Who yeah. do you think is uh, the excitement favorites? for the World Cup, Prof? Okay, we've been looking through this, and I think the Dutch are going to be a dark horse. A couple of players are like on that squad, but ultimately, I think it's Brazil. And of course, the Lord Mayor Barry Bally Freeman made a good point about Richarlison being on fire lately, and he's pretty much just tapping balls in because of all this the service he's getting, and they've got mm. a good team. They two of the best keepers in the world. Their, their centre halves are brilliant. Um, I think Brazil could be a dark horse with maybe Richarlison. Um, I would like I would like a South American winner, right? Yeah, England I, to knock it out of groups. That's Gary yeah. Pay's prediction. I've heard a couple of tips for that, all right? Yeah. yeah, England to knock it out of groups. Messi um, to finally deliver a World Cup maybe at the end. But Argentina, mm. they never do, do they? No, they never do. Yeah, but yeah. it'd be interesting. Uh, the Germans, I don't think the German. I think that's a quarter final job for the Germans, maybe. Joey O'Brien interviewed him for this week's program. He has a dark horse. Not to win it now, but he thinks Japan are going to cause some upsets. Japan with all the Celtic boys. Mm. Ah, good stuff from Joey. Buy the program to find out more. Did you see that thing on Twitter where it shows? Here's like the the service area of like here's the distance between each stadium in right. Qatar. Oh, was and that so real? So someone it was real. Someone drew a triangle, and they started planting it all over places because that person's from from England, so he. He was just doing English, Lancashire English or places, wasn't it? but then someone did it for Ireland, and it stretched from Drogheda to Bray to Maynooth, and that's where all those stadiums are. All, all stadiums. brand new, oil blood money built stadiums. Mad, ridiculous, isn't it? It's nuts. I'm not looking forward to it. That's being honest. I mean, I love football. We all know that, but there's something about this World Cup that just makes you think. Meh. I'm not feeling it. Ten in the morning games, and now they they do go on as time goes on. I'm 100. percent I'll still watch it, but there's no buzz. There's no real buzz for this, you know. I don't want to come out with any statements about it because I I don't end up looking looking like a hypocrite or buried like, in the desert. I'm not, <laughs> like I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna watch this, and then I'm there sitting at home watching every single match. <laughs> I always make an attempt to yeah. watch every game. Every game it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Certainly won't be happening now. But uh, we have another question, Prof, and I'm totally against it. Is six three a tonking? No, four clear goals. Controversial. Four clear goals. It's not a tonking. 
So, yeah, technically, no. It's not attacking. But, City were 6-1 up. And United scored two consolation goals in the last seven minutes. Not a tonking. So at 6-1, it was as big a tonking as you're going to get in a yeah. derby. But then 6-3, there's certainly a feeling of having been tonked. There's, there, there's the, tonk, the tonk was short-lived. <laughs> there was tonk mid-game, but the tonk didn't last the 90 minutes. Therefore, it's not a tonk. You feel very strongly about this. Oh yeah, I do. 100% clear. Four goals or more. Um, yeah, but up next we have Stig Berlid, and he is uh, is brilliant. He is a fan for fifty plus years. Um, I think my favorite part of this was that he saw Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's debut for when he was a young kid. He's looking great for fifty, by the way. It's all, <laughs> all on Zoom. It's all that Norwegian yeah. air. But yeah, no, this is brilliant, fascinating stuff, and he gives a great insight into Norwegian football. So here's Stig. So we're joined now by Stig. He's the co-founder of the Molde Pod. That's uh, at Molde, P-O-D-D, on Twitter. Uh, he's from the city himself. He's a fan. So uh, welcome to the podcast, Stig. Thank you very much. Thanks for the invite. And uh, you told me that you were attending Troms All Way at the weekend, and this is way above the Arctic, cir- Arctic Circle. So what's that journey like? Well, it's uh, we fly south to either Oslo or Bergen, and then it's almost two hour flights directly north. Uh, Troms is a lovely city with very friendly people. Um, one of the favorite away trips in the Norwegian league, I have to admit. Is it one of the longer journeys? Yeah, it is. It, it, it's worth it. <laughs> I was reading that your supporters club is called uh, Thicket of Thorns. That's in English anyway, a reference to the city's nickname, yeah. Town of Roses. So can you give me an idea of what the fan culture is like at Molde, sort of the their ultras and singing sections and that sort of thing? Uh, we have to remember that Molde is a small town. Uh, so it's 27,000 inhabitants. I guess we in Tornekrattet, as the supporter club is called, uh, we are about 700 members. And uh, I guess in Tromsø this weekend, we was 100 attending, uh, but some families, and we are a family club, first of all. Uh, so on away matches, there are families, there are boys, there are girls, there are old, there are young, so uh, um, a mixture of everything, actually. Uh, but some of us are more hardcore and singing, and some of us are not. Of course, and obviously Rosenberg have been have been dominant in the nineteen nineties and two thousands. They're your big rivals, and yeah. uh, that's your derby. So, have you sort of experienced some some big derbies in your time at Rosenberg? Yeah, uh, it was uh, it was uh, <laughs> it was a tougher derby some years ago. Uh, I think uh, many of us have become older, so it's not so much. Uh, fighting anymore but there have been, there have been some uh, some fighting and uh, stuff before and after matches but not so much now uh, i think i have been to larkendal the rosenberg home uh, field uh, seven or eight times mm. but they are uh, our drivers yes that's Rosen- rosenberg so that one nil win in trams on saturday that puts you 15 points clear at yep. the top of the table after 24 games played, uh, 16 yep. ahead of Rosenberg, and you're on a run of 11 straight league wins since July, mm-hmm. so you're flying. Yeah, we are flying. Um, 
we are now joint top of the record of uh, league wins in a row. So if we win home at Hammarkammeraten this weekend, we will have 12 in a row and no one has done that in Norway before. Well, uh, and the goal now is to take the league within the two next rounds. So Rosenborg has to stand the guard of honor on our home field in October. <laughs> That's the goal now, I think, for most of us. <laughs> yeah, we won our league last year and our yeah. rivals uh, didn't want to do the guard of honor. But okay. uh, it's, it's, a, it's a personal choice, isn't it? I suppose it's very common in Italy, isn't it? Whereas yeah. not so common in a lot of countries, maybe. Uh, it's quite common in Norway. Um, I haven't can't remember that someone has denied to do it. Uh, but it may have happened, but I can't remember that. Um, so looking at your squad, uh, your goalkeeper, Karlström, he's the only ever present. And it's nearly nearly all Norwegian squads. Aside from mm. you've got a Danish defender and you've a couple of Ivory Coast forwards. I see your top goal scorer is from Ivory Coast, David Fofana, a 19-year-old. So yeah. uh, how well is he doing? Uh it's very up and down. Uh, Fofana is uh, already linked to one, a lot of the top clubs in Europe. He's uh, got a very special talent. At his best, he's uh, unstoppable. But And he does some very magic things. But uh, for example, last weekend, he was pretty bad for most of the time. So, But when he's, he's uh, turned on in his head and uh, a bit of luck, he can score from every angle and it's very hard to take him out and who are, in your opinion are your your best players who are the danger players that robbers should be looking out for on thursday um if he's playing number seven magnus wolf Eichen, i think he's the best player in the squad uh, he has been in um, united Manchester united he has been in malmo in sweden uh, a short spell in Cardiff, but he's not playing so much because he lost his girlfriend uh, to cancer for two weeks ago. So he has uh, he, he joined the team to Tromsø and played the last ten minutes. But when he is uh, on the field, we are almost a different team. Uh, so uh, I think you should be looking out for him. I don't think he will start. I think he will come in during the second half. Hmm. And for instance, uh, at our home game uh, versus Ghent, a game that we should have won, but uh, it was just after Magnus, number seven, came in, then Ghent didn't have a chance, but they didn't manage to score, so just a draw. And your manager is uh, Erling Moe. He's in charge since 2018. He's won a league and a cup for you. He had been assistant manager for three years before that mm-hmm. um, under Oli Gunnar Solskjaer before he left for... Uh, Manchester United. So, what's what's his um, style of play and formation? Well, for many years, Molde has played uh, four three two one or four two three one, um, and um, it has left us a bit vulnerable defensive. So, I think um, credit to Erling Mo. Before this season, he changed the system, uh, and now we're playing three five two. And that's I, I I didn't see it coming. No one did see it coming. And you have to have grown up here to do that, I guess. And he has, and it's been very successful. We are very solid defensively and great counter team. And we also have a lot of possession. So it's been, it's been a positive surprise for me. 
yeah, Roberts play three five two as well. So do you think he will play that formation again against us, considering we also play three five two? Yeah, I think so. Uh, we have had a bit of injuries in uh, our uh, our defensive players. So even uh, Ovea Tromsø, he put a um, young midfielder back in the as a centre back. So I think he will play three five two both matches, both away and home. So you're you're four time league champions. Uh, the last time was 2019, but you've been in that top two for the last five years. So. Has the manager been sort of building this team over the years to this point where you are now um, challenging for the title? Well, you're, you're miles ahead yeah. for the title. Yeah, both yes and no. Molde um, is a selling club. Uh, the, strategy, the strategy of the club is to develop young players and sell them abroad, like Arling Holland, who is now in City and everything. So, so uh, yes, this team is the result of the last two years, I guess. And um, we did not sell any players this summer, but next summer, I think, or in January, we will sell players again. Uh, we are not a team that will win the league every year. Uh, we are, so we are not, and we're not supposed to be. So, But we, are, we will win this year, and then uh, I think there will be a rebuild already for next year. And you, you play in the uh, Acker Stadion. It's mm-hmm. uh, 11,200 capacity. I was reading it was a gift from a local businessman in uh, 1998. Yep. Um, and the first thing Roberts fans noticed was how picturesque it is, the way it's situated right by the ocean. It's a, an extraordinary looking stadium, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, very nice. Hope you will. Uh, hope your traveling supporters will have some okay weather, so they can see the mountains and the fjords and everything. It's it's quite unique in European football. And you've had an artificial service in since 2014. Um, mm-hmm. What's your opinion on that? Do you like the pitch? Uh, as a traditional man, I think uh, football is going to be played on grass, but we have to accept where we live. And uh, if we are going to qualify for the next stage of the Conference League and we play a match in February, there can be one meter of snow. So we are there we are. We live there where we live. So I think it's the most common thing, common sense to have artificial pitch. And it's... uh, Molde is a small town. Molde is a club with a lot of young players. uh, And... When with the artificial pitch, you can use the field 1,200 hours per year. Young girls, young guys can be training there, have cups there. If you have um, grass, it's 100 hours per year. So um, I, under doubt, I agree with the change to artificial pitch. Yes. And your chairman as well, he's a former player. He, he was with you for 10 seasons at uh, Mould in the 70s and 80s. So he obviously knows the club. How are you in terms of uh, finances? Like you have, you, know, you, you spoke earlier about being a selling club, but do you have investment there to kind of push on in Europe? Yeah. Yes, we have. Uh, Molde has become a quite rich club. Um I think this summer we had uh, incomes uh, from selling players of 6 million euros without selling a player because you have the resale deals, right? So when um, uh, a player we sold last year to uh, 
uh, Feyenoord, uh, Freddy Kausnes, he was sold this summer to, uh, to Benfica and Molde got 15% of that deal. So uh, the economy is fine as far as I know, yes. And in Europe this season, you came through three qualifying games, Swedish, Hungarian and Austrian opposition. Uh, you spoke a moment ago about that scoreless draw at home to Ghent. You felt you should have won mm. and beaten 3-2 away to your garden. So how do you feel you've begun in this group? I think we, we have been a little bit unlucky. Uh, also a little bit uh, not sharp enough in front of the goal. Uh, Ghent, we should have uh, won. Djurgården away. There we have this Fofana, who uh, is, makes a stupid celebration before, uh, in front of the Djurgården fans, get a yellow card, and then uh, one hour later he gets the second. And that puts us in a difficult situation. But uh, I think um, Molde, before this group stage started, they had an, an ambition to qualify. Um, to the next level, but we are a little, a little bit trouble now. So sorry for you guys, but we have to have six points against rowers. <laughs> uh, if not, uh, it will be over. I think. Was it a massive disappointment last year? You were knocked out by Trabs on Spar and penalties. Considering the year before, you had that great run to the round of sixteen in the in the Europa League, beating Dundalk twice along the way, of course. Yeah, not so disappointed because when we saw the draw, also the first round we met Servette, one of the best teams in Switzerland, tough one. And Trabzonspor is a much bigger club than Molde and Shamrock Rovers, I guess. And we already knew that if we beat Trabzonspor, we beat uh, AC Roma in the next round. So we was mostly disappointed by the draw, not by the result, I guess. And you obviously expect to or hope to come out of the group, but is there an expectations there to go further into the knockout rounds? And what do you think about the conference as a competition? It's pretty new, I know, but do you hold it in as high esteem as the Champions League and Europa League? Um, I think the main goal for a club a club as Molde is to, uh, is to qualify to the group stage. And then, you know, it's going to be tough both for Rovers and Djurgården and Molde and Ghent. So we have to have uh, very good performances and a bit of luck to qualify. So I'm happy as a supporter, we are just there. I'm happy I'm going to travel to Dublin in a fortnight. So um, uh, and for the, the new competition from UEFA, I'm positive about it. It's a perfect competition for Norwegian teams. Uh, we have to we got to meet a lot of new teams. Exciting! We don't have anything to do in the Champions League. Then we will have, if you are against Barcelona or or Liverpool or Bayern or those kind of teams, we will lose ten to nil every time. But in this competition, we have a fair chance to qualify. We have a fair chance to win games, and we will meet teams at our same level, and we will try, have to get the honor to travel to Dublin or Stockholm and places like that. And I'm really enjoying it. I do. Uh, I don't know who old you are, but we famously, or I'm um, sorry, Molde famously played Real Madrid in mm. 1999 Champions League. Are you old enough to remember that? I was present. 
Yeah. I was present. It was a bit unlucky. We didn't win the home match, I guess. We had the chances to beat Real Madrid at home that match. I'm old. I'm over 50 years old. I've been a Molde supporter for almost five decades. And for the first three and a half of those, we were pretty rubbish. So <laughs> I've been I've been through a lot. <laughs> so you would have seen Solskjaer playing for you before he moved to yeah, Old yeah, Trafford yeah. as well, 97? Yeah. I was uh, there when, uh, on his debut, Ole Gunnar. So I remember it well. You've obviously you've you've achieved things in Europe. You've you've won four league titles, but does Solskjaer is that name still kind of synonymous with your club around Europe? Um, I will give Ole Gunnar Solskjaer a lot of credit for what he has done for the club, um, especially and in his first era as a manager. The second row, second time around, it was not so impressive, and I think. When he went to Manchester United, I think all of us was, okay, this was it, and it was about time. Uh, but uh, to, Ole Gunnar has done a very much for the football club, and I, I don't think we will have been here today if he did not come to Molde in 2011 and take over the club and um, make it more professional in every aspect, from the cook to the to the coaching or to the yeah everything the offices redecorated so he had a finger in everything but there is a there is a there is a time for everything as well so um he has done a great job for us but i don't think he should come back to say is it fair to say <laughs> and you're a tottenham hotspur fan as well have spurs and, and mold ever met in a friendly by any chance no no they have not um so I haven't I've been in, I have to think about which scarf to wear. I haven't have done that. <laughs> have you ever gone over to White Hart Lane or anything? Yeah, I've been to old White Hart Lane. I think I've been 15 or 20 times. Yeah. Um, but I haven't been at the new stadium, actually. Um, I have to admit, I have lost a little bit of interest in the English Premier League. Uh, it's been too commercial. It's uh, uh, it's not quite my cup of tea anymore. So I I do not have a season ticket in London anymore. I am not a member of the club. So of course I follow them, uh, the results. But I, or, or I but I don't see them on TV either. I don't pay for the license uh, to see them on television either. So it's more Norwegian football for me now. <laughs> You said you're looking forward to coming over to Dublin. Um, you played Dundalk in 2020, but I presume you couldn't go to that one with COVID. But did you go to Sligo in 2013? Have you been to Ireland before? Uh, no, uh, I've I've been to Ireland. I've been to Dublin. I watched a Bohemian match, but I have never seen Molde in Ireland. I have a lot of friends who I'm traveling who've been to Sligo as well. So, but it's the first Molde match for me in in Ireland. I'm looking forward to it. I think I have one beer, or maybe two. <laughs> you can try the Guinness next time. Uh, so, Molde, the city of roses, as we said. Yeah. What's what sort of weather can we expect in October, and what can the hundred or so Rovers fans traveling over expect from your your city? A uh, small city, and uh, kind, uh, slow city. I hope uh, for you guys the weather is not 
so bad. We are a coastal city, so we can be storm and rain and everything. I remember when we met uh, Celtic from Scotland in uh, the group stage in Europa League. The weather was so bad. Uh, then I think we took the lead after five minutes, and then most of them went to the pub again because they were soaking and it was icy cold. So <laughs> I, the, 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 most of them went to the pub to see the match on TV. So how for you guys, the weather is not too bad. Autumn in Norway, coast can be rough. But today is nice, so you never know. And how many of you guys do you think will travel over to, to Dublin um, in a week and a half's time? Um, I think the club has asked for 500 tickets from uh, from rovers. I don't think it will be so much. Uh, 300 maybe? Mm-hmm. Um, I heard rumors that there are problems with getting hotel rooms uh, downtown Dublin. So I don't know. Yeah. And you're you're demanding six points from these two games. But what are the what are the media and fans saying about Rovers? Do you know much about us? Uh, I don't know much about uh, Rovers. Uh, not more than the Irish football. I think. The Irish and Norwegian football is somewhat comparable. I think maybe the Norwegian football is a little bit better. I think the uh, top flight in Norway are higher level than the top flight in uh, Ireland. But I think the differences between Molde and uh, Rovers is not so big. I think it will be too evenly f- tough matches. And I think we have to be lucky to take six points. I have um, really good performances. So, uh, uh, yeah, it'd be exciting. Um, and for, for me personally, if we, we don't take six points, I will not be too disappointed. It's, it's, it's Europe. It's going to be tough and it's okay. We are going to win the league and we are in the group stage and we won the cup. So in Molde, we have the best season ever uh, results in results. So we're, we're fine. <laughs> Well, you might break the record now this week, but um, finally give us a score prediction for Thursday. Thursday, uh, I think we will win 3-1. Um, 3-1. That's it, Stig. Thanks so much for your insight and your time. I really enjoyed talking to you. Thanks so much. Thank you very much. Yeah, so Stig, great stuff, Prof. Um, talking about uh, his his love for the English game waning as well, which is I think that's a that's a lot of that's a happening a lot a lot of place lately. That happened to me definitely in the early nineties. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, I can see what he's what what he means by you know machine. corporate monster coming in and like I know the big new stadium in Tottenham is is beautiful and all that, but I'm glad I'm I'm happy with what we have. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, yeah, so brilliant stuff. He sent out a message there just recently. He said. That the club, as in Malda, have sold have sold three hundred and fifty tickets for next Thursday in Tada. That's a nice mob, nice mob yeah. coming over, yeah. Family club, as he said, but yeah, no real great insight into their. Uh, what did he say to her? Schiffer forty thirty years. <laughs> they won a couple of leagues within I think six or seven years, didn't they? That must be odd. Um, kind of constantly coming second to a club. I know, like Rosenberg. Yeah. What did they win? Like thirteen in a row or something? Ridiculous, one time? yeah. Um, yeah, that must be. I mean, you can't 
you probably can't give out because you you know you can't say you're unsuccessful. But if you're always the bridesmaids, yeah, true, it must be frustrating. But looking into the the current team as well, it's um, there's a lot of there's a lot of there's not that many actual Norwegian internationals, but there's a lot of guys who have played all the way up, which I'm always weary of. I always mention it. I'm weary of someone who has played from Norway 15s up to 21s regularly. Because they're good, they're playing international football, they're bound to be some sort of decent player. They have a lot of those. They have young Fafana, like he spoke about as well. Um, they have your man who played, I can't remember his name, I, can't, I think it's Helga. He played with Cardiff as well, so he seems like the danger man. So these are no mugs, prof. So definitely something to be weary of going over here. Look at the form they're in 11 wins in a row. Yeah. Um, funny, the, the Twitter Conference League account put up the form of all the teams. Or like the top 10 teams in the Commerce League, their league form. And I actually had the same idea. I was putting that in my stats graphic just for the four teams in the group showing the form. Obviously, Mulder are miles ahead in that regard. Uh, about to break a record next weekend. But um, here we have a fun fact here. Yeah, we had uh, Ryan McDyer. He is our co-official headcase. He loves when you say that. <laughs> Keep saying it. So, yes, here's a fun one. Molde FK are owned by Norway's richest man, Kjell Inge Roke. He paid for the lovely stadium and was involved in moving Wimbledon FC to Milton Keynes and he also done jail time for corruption. So, some, that, that's nuts. Jail time for corruption? Yeah, we're putting our little uh, Norway preview out now at the start of the show in case this doesn't go up until uh, Thursday so you can get your sort of insight at the start of the episode. Um we obviously have great memories of Norway away. Not so much as BK. Neither of us went to that game. No. But uh, Bran away was brilliant. fantastic. The peak of equaliser. Absolutely brilliant. Um, this is actually... Uh, Mal- the birth of the weasel, possibly. The birth... I was looking up pictures, yeah. Again, the graphic. I was trying to stick a couple of pictures in it. And uh, Jack celebrating the weasel. And I was thinking, oh, yeah, was that the first time he did that? Yeah, it was. Um, so this is actually Mulder's second visit to Tata. Because they played Dundalk here in 2020. But yeah. that was behind closed doors. And um, yeah, in terms of head-to-head with Norwegian clubs, still only us and Atlone. Atlone in 1975 against Valoranga have won a knockout tie against Norwegian. Valoranga, that reminds me of John Carew. Yeah. Remember him? Uh, I'll try not to bring up Gert's two missed penals against Norwegian. Opposite. Oh, I just did, sorry. Just the two? Um, yeah, so this is the third country that we've visited three times now. Uh, that's Cyprus, Sweden and Norway. We've visited those countries more than any other now after Thursday in European competition. It's not bad, is it? It's not bad having the trick over there. Uh, so Derry, 1-1-0 a Pats the day before we went out, wished. Closing the gap to two points and the ref had an absolute stinker in that one. I thought, I thought Pats were okay. But they never really threatened. But Derry, Derry were kind of similar. It was a bit of a Lancer senior league goal, wasn't it? Route one, little flick, and a super finish from King Kavanagh. But I think overall, I'm a little bit worried about Derry in the coming coming seasons. I think they've definitely got a lot to build on. There's a lot of money there, and they can attract players. They're starting to play good football, but. I'm not even thinking about next season. I'm just like. I know. We were I know, nervous I know. about this run in alone because. This was their toughest challenge of the run. Exactly, that's what we were mentioning. That it's the toughest game that they have, bar us in Tally. Mm. So we, they've got us. They've got. I think that was their. That they, was their. They do toughest have Dundalk as well, but 
Um, so cue the panic merchants because <laughs> Derry has some serious momentum behind them. And obviously we were not playing well the last few weeks. No. And I'm making fun of the panic merchants. But I mean, you could probably lump us in there as well because privately we were getting kind of worried. Because look at the form of the two teams. And just going into this Sligo game, we, were, we actually used the words must win game. What did I say? Be honest. You said when's the last time we, we said that? Yeah, no, but I said we're gonna lose. <laughs> On the Monday. And it takes a couple of other people and says we we have no chance. I never I felt we would turn and up. I and I never think like that. I'm always positive. I could never have foreseen how well we played, but I did feel that we would. I kept saying to people, How can we play any worse than we have the last two games? Yeah. The only way is up. Barra tonking. If we had been tonked, I wouldn't have been surprised, but they um I think I think the big issue is what we were saying, right? Is that they kind of fell into they were a victim of their own hatred of Rovers because there's no way Sligo fans would tolerate a Sligo team sitting back against Rovers coming to the showgrounds. Hmm. So they were kinda of obliged and they had to play a different style of football. They had to come at us. Fell right into our hands. It's the last like if they had a sat with their banks of forward the way Shells did, the way these other teams did, we would have struggled. But the fact that they tried to play with us and compete with us on the same level, we just fucking ran amok. We were so, so good. Gar mm. Brennan, winning a title when you've been pushed all the way is far more satisfying than sauntering to it, which is amazing. Great quote and very, very true. Excruciating. I don't know if I agree with it. Excruciating um, but true. But, look, but looking true. back, it's great to look back in 2010 having won the title by two goals, goal difference. But... Uh, for the old heart, the old ticker. Uh, the old I, think ticker. I, I think I prefer finishing five or six points ahead. But the, I know the the feeling of it, the feeling of dread and the the, the just the horror that builds inside you when you know you could lose it. It just it's it's football. It's it's different as well though. <sighs> we were trying to win our first two titles in Tala and the first two in uh, seventeen years, sixteen years. Now it's like. There's a pressure to retain the title so that we can keep building what we've been building in Europe, the coefficients and the seeding and all that. So yeah. it's a different kind of pressure and nerves that come into this game. Um, yeah. So like we said, we were we were nervy going in, but uh, boy did this team turn up. Oh man, it was ridiculous. So the three one three one was probably flattering. Um, big 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 win. Um. We got Finn coming in for Farouge as well. Finn was brilliant. Um, he five hundred travelling down more because I was busy trying to get tickets sorted for people. It was more than five hundred there, and the nerves going in were absolutely like I was thinking about it all week, all week about what way we're gonna approach it, and obviously we just we attack teams. That's the way we do it. We don't sit back, and I knew that was gonna happen. But like I spoke about earlier, I knew Sligo would fall into that trap. There's no way they can compete with us going like box for box, you know. And also, they fell, our, they fell right into it. A record here. Um, we have actually gotten a couple of good wins here in the last few years, but if you go further back than that, say maybe the last five, six years, we have struggled out here a lot. So that was kind of playing on your mind as well. Um, we didn't know what kind of Sligo team we got. In the end, they weren't great, were they? No. Uh, someone told me they were on the beach already. Yeah, yeah. Keane failed his audition anyway, that's for sure. Um, the yeah. bus prof it's back Tifties is back I ran it remotely 
from a safe destination. <laughs> you had us all on camera, did you? Um, Tiffany's sure. Pride of Rings. We finally, finally got someone convinced someone to take us. And uh, how did you get on, Prof? Was it? Well, with Stafford's cousin, he was the leader. He did a fine job. And he won um, banjo before Monaghan. I was supposed to be banjo before Leitrim in this case, would it? Probably nicked before <coughs> nicked before Monaghan. Is that? <laughs> At one stage, James Law was trying to pick out a contender for banjo before Leitrim. I think he was kind of he was trying to pin it on Saki Sean O'Connor. <laughs> banjo but, uh, but, uh, but then he was like, "I don't doesn't seem to be anybody particularly bad, does there?" And I was like, "Usually the person asking that, it's them." Yeah. <laughs> That's while he's up in the compartment <laughs> where you put your luggage. Yeah. He's hanging out with that. Yeah, it's not really you then. Um, um, Alex is back, Prof. Alex is back. Was he back with a bang? Was he his usual charming self? Talking about Northern he Ireland. Was, it, was, it, was, uh, it was great to see him. Ice hockey. Great to see him. Now, I know the Gary Twig have had him, but uh, this is our first time seeing him in a long time. Oh, hey! And uh, just what a character. And I, was, I, was, I brought up this to a few people. The famous interview we had with Alex, um, it was four years ago now. Um, I think it was after a trip to Limerick, and it was a couple of minutes interview with you. And it did need a translator because it, he has a very thick Scottish dialect, <laughs> so the translation is important. So we thought, just for all time's sake, here it is again now: the interview with Alex, the bus driver. Right, so we're on the way home from Cork and it's a 1-0 loss and we have Alex the bus driver so Alex tell us when you started driving when I started driving yeah. when Adam wore a kilt yeah. <laughs> I started driving 1972 when I started driving when Adam wore a kilt I started to drive in 1972 so yeah, a long time at it and um, what about whereabouts in Scotland are you from? I'm from a quaint village called Glasgow. I'm from a quaint village called Glasgow, where the kiss was invented. Right, so you obviously have to have one team. So what team is that? Well, football. I don't like football, my friend. That's not what we heard, no. I'm an ice hockey man, <laughs> but I'm the only only hun that likes Shamrock Rovers. <laughs> what football? I don't like football, my friend. I'm an ice hockey man, but I'm the only that likes Shamrock Rovers. That's probably true. <laughs> and uh, your thoughts on the, the Gary Twig Supporters Club, what do you think of them so far? You've been driving us for a while now. Yeah, I've been driving Shamrock Rovers supporters for three years now, and they're an excellent bunch of guys. I've been driving Shamrock Rovers fans for three years now. They're an excellent bunch of guys. Yeah, there's been no trouble at all, so who's the biggest troublemaker out of the lot? Have you pinpointed anybody? It must be that old guy, Tony. <laughs> yeah. Tony Orr, yeah, do you know what? He doesn't leave me alone either. He's an awful hassle merchant. Well, he's a, he's a, he's a right patter merchant as well, and he keeps trying to patronise you. It must be that old git, Tony. He's a right patter merchant as well. He keeps trying to patronise you. So we've uh, we've had our own tunes on for a while now. What do you think of the music? The choice of music? I think it's a bit old fashioned. <laughs> I remember them, so it must be old fashioned. I think it's a bit old fashioned. I remember them, so they must be old fashioned. <laughs> and uh, uh, how are the piss stops decided? When when do you decide to let the lads take a piss up? Is it the peer pressure? No, I, I never take peer pressure. I only stop when I think it's safe to stop. Oh, I never take peer pressure. I only stop when I think it's safe to stop. 
Very good. That was a very diplomatic response. And the speed limits. I've noticed that uh, you know red lights mean stop in Dublin. You know that, don't you? No, I thought there was somebody standing in the street trying to sell themselves. <laughs> no, on the contrary, I thought it was somebody standing on the streets trying to sell themselves. <laughs> because we noticed you've, uh, you like to put the foot down. But hey, uh, you know, so we, like I said, we, we like to appreciate everybody here at Shamrock Rovers and we wanted to show some appreciation to our bus driver, Alex. So that's it. And the uh, podcast, sit down. <laughs> Go on. Podcast, sit down. Yeah, ball bag. So this is no. Don't don't forget, like when you when you get chatting to Alex outside the bus and everybody's going to be pissed off and pissing against the walls and stuff like that. He just kind of whips his out and goes on the wheel. So, but it's so <laughs> it's stealthy. It's stealthy because you don't even know. You're in the middle of it and you're just you're thinking, what's that? What's that noise? It's kind of water trickling. And then you're looking at the wheel getting wet. You're like, what is going on here? I don't even. I, I, he's so stealthy. Yeah, that happened again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. <clears throat> like I said, Stafford's cousin was um, in charge, taking the names, all that sort of thing. Uh, the, the one near hiccup he had was uh, I told him Ryan Legree was coming, and he's like, "He's not. He's not down. I don't have Ryan Legree down." I was like, "Pretty sure you do, Sean, because uh, yeah. he paid and he's coming. He just texted me. I was like, he's on the list.' <laughs> so then he starts scrolling through the list, and he's like, "No, not there, not there, there." And he sees Groozy. Is that you? <laughs> Groozy, yeah. yeah. So you wrote down Groozy. Did you give all of us nicknames or what? Everyone, yeah, every, everyone <laughs> in, in Gar's little mind, everyone gets a nickname, yeah. Yeah, so crisis averted. Um, what else we have? Yeah, Kieran Gentleman making his first appearance on uh, TFD's bus. That's Kieran K.A. Gentleman. Oh, um, he was gutted that Barry wasn't on it because that was, that was his dream to be on the <laughs> same bus as Barry and his antics. Barry is cruising. Along Puerto um, Rico way at the minute. And Rob Lavelle is in Chicago, just in case anyone fucking whinges. For fuck's sake. <laughs> he's in Chicago. Is that, is that what he's whinging about? Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, Kieran's hooked. Yeah, I think he'll be, uh, he could be a regular from now on. Uh, just uh, just on a side note as well, Sligo's a shithole. I'm officially over the line on that one. It's a shithole. Good Guinness, right? <clears throat> but my God, I, I, like I was, Aidan Marr was talking, I was having points with him and Collie and the family and all after and we were just looking around and going this place is shit hole man we were in Moonies where were you not even I was in the railway and then I was in Lilies and I was in all these <laughs> places all over town there were, and I don't think even the Sligo people may like it that's what Aiden was saying he's like they even hate their own town <laughs> they just want to get out of there but Gareth it's a proper football it's a proper town. football town it's fucking yeah. shit hole well in terms of the stadium um, at least you could say comparing to the other grounds you could say at least they always have toilets but no, About in this, this case, the toilets were closed because apparently they lost a key. Well, got it they lost the key on the day the Shems came to town. The day the Shems. What a coincidence. Are ye Shems? Are ye Shems? Right, so the game got on the way anyway. Great atmosphere and the place was rocking, prof. place was pounding. And we have a new song. We have a new song. It's uh, I think it's Stereo Love, the one that was rocking the the place in Belgium. Yeah, we have two songs. I'm sure we'll play them at the start and the end of this podcast. But then, always seems to be the way when we have like a big away win and a great atmosphere, there tends to be a couple of songs born. Yeah, I think um, yeah, there's a couple of songs born in Sligo, all right, that's for sure. But what a start! Absolute whirlwind start! All guns blazing. 
battering these. Literally. We had loads of chances at the start. Brilliant, brilliant f- fucking start way to start the game. And I thought to myself after 10 minutes, I was thinking, right, these are going to get a foothold in it. They couldn't. We kept that's at them. What, that's what them. I was thinking. I was thinking the usual things. You know, I was thinking, oh, we better score while we're on top yeah. here because they're gonna, we're going to have a lull and we won't play the same second half. We dominated this match brilliant. from start to finish. And I said last week, you will, you will know in the first 20 minutes if we're up for this game. We knew in the first two or three minutes. Yeah, we knew absolutely because brilliant. You mentioned the chances there. The, first, the notable one was after five minutes, uh, Jack drove at them, uh, laid it off for Cavo. Cavo returned to Jack. Yeah. Um, so we almost had an early lead there. But then the goal did come in 15 minutes. We Dan clearly and go, go, gadget, Nick. <coughs> Um, rising up to the occasion and burying this one it was one of those loopers that kind of just evades the keeper and goes to the bottom corner lovely lovely goal I think Cavo whipped yeah. it in am I right am I right Cavo with, with the assist with Gaffney from, doing a bit of work came from a corner that went over everyone's heads then Cavo put it back in but uh, some leap super header and brilliant stuff and just a well deserved lead a well deserved lead and honestly I like there were so many contenders from Man of the Match I think Joey and Doe said he something similar as well but oh, oh, Joey and those said many things. Many things. <laughs> we'll get to later. But um, like you said, we were on it. We totally were on it. On it. Jack was just ice skating around and making a show of people. He was doing his twists and turns, which in UCD was annoying because it didn't need anything. But in this case, he, his twist was actually crucial to the second goal. <sighs> Oh, I think I, I think when it, when it went in and I saw him do that, I think it just goes <laughs> stop that, <laughs> will you fuck? Oh, like and even the ball from Gaffney, like Gaffney takes the ball down and decides right, I'm gonna whip across for a ball into Jack, who's just outside the box. Did he even look? Outrageous pass. Did Gaffney even look? Fucking up neck of him when he hit that. I was looking at going, D- what, what's he doing? I was like, nah, nah. And then Jack kind of turned away, and I was like, oh, he's your man is rolling around the show the showgrounds now. Heralds everywhere because he's been sent to the shops looking for the Sligo Tribune and the weight of the pass. Looking for the Sligo <laughs> Tribune, the weight of the pass was ridiculous. Top of the foot, push ballerina Gaffney style pass. A little, uh. do you know? Do you know the way um, Prince Charles ushers away his servants? He's like, uh, uh, get away, get away. That's it, the way he strokes the ball. This should be a gift that like two and a half seconds of controls it turns outside the foot super it, finish as well Watts did well to stay on side and, and a super Everything. finish so brilliant brilliant stuff and they were just begging for half time we were battering them one of our goals of the season absolutely so that's that's 37 minutes for two up brilliant stuff and uh, I think we're all in agreement that was our best first half of the season absolutely um, outrageous I can't think of a better one and I was just thinking at half time I was thinking to myself right <coughs> I'll kick I'll start kicking off at half time as well which I don't I don't know why the guards are actually there because they were launching coins and bottles and all over which full, they always do full bottles every time and the guards are kind of standing back with their arms closed and they're like that's, that's them schlegs that's them schlegs that's them schlegs that's them schlegs they were just letting them do it boys so obviously, will be boys obviously, in this case yeah. probably small girls do yeah it. that's what it was there was like 14 year old girls launching bottles of piss um, but yeah we went on to the second half prop, and we started again like a house on fire once again it was the brilliant s- the swagger was back the swagger really was back look at the difference Jack controlling it in the middle Gary O'Neill just bossing it 
Greg Bulger is spinning around Riverstown now. He's just looking for his apartment because he doesn't know where it is. He's so dizzy after after Jack Bourne. Did you notice everything was coming off? Like I'm not everything. I'm not second balls surprised by Gaffney tackles everything because he has been doing this. Okay, maybe he's been suffering from fatigue here and there lately. But Burke would just play crossfield balls. He would switch you. Jack, everything Jack played came off. Like two weeks ago, these were going out for throw-ins. Anything we tried. They were just so good. Like Gannon has been stunning lately. What a game he had there tonight. Hopefully he's not injured. Um Gary O'Neill, brilliant in the middle of the park. No one got near him. His his act pass and accuracy is outrageous at this stage. He's just it must be above ninety all season on average. Um Bork, brilliant. What a trick. What a trick Graham Bork is on his day. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? We were just brilliant. And it deserves all the praise that we're giving it because it was such a good performance after such a lot of shite, let's be honest. And, let's be honest as well, was regarding to the mm-hmm. booing, which was mentioned in our WhatsApp group, could have been a bit of a fuck you to the to the fans, you know? As if to say, well... Which I'm all for. I'm all for, because they didn't kind of celebrate with us. They didn't run towards us. I did notice that, yeah. Like, they were very subdued celebrations for Pulse us. match the celebrations were great. Yeah. But um, they didn't run over to us and celebrate, you know what I mean? Which is the first thing we'd be doing. Yeah. But, like you said, I don't think uh, you'd possibly be getting booked for that, but... Um, yeah, no, definitely. Atmosphere was great. The whole lot. Excellent stuff up until 75. Plus, I was a little bit upset with this. Well, we didn't talk about the Burke goal. Did we? Like, uh, oh, the Burke goal. Oh, the actually, Gaffney ball. I actually turned to Kieran and said, we're going to win 3 0, and Burke is going to score the third goal. And I was so delighted with myself, but then uh ended up being 3 1. What but, a um, ridiculous ball in. Jack involved again. When when Jack torn and got on that right, I thought to myself, his the weight of this pass can be perfect. He knows exactly when to play a ball, and he just waited that a little bit longer, and then Gaffney was in. Football mid symbol. <laughs> Welcome to Evan. Brilliant, amazing, and but like the ball in was just ridiculous. It just trundled along the line, really, and then Bork just tapped did, it in. I will agree with Joey. We did actually make that look easy. Made it look far too easy. Maybe it was bad defending, but. Brilliant, well, brilliant goal. 3 0. Game yeah. over. Adios, three points in the bag, but 3 1 with Pin- Pinnaker. This was a super ball in, let's be honest. Just yeah. took a flick. It's one of those dangerous, impossible to defend balls. Really in. tough, and I took a flick and went in. Now, obviously, they'll be unhappy with that, but the, that's the New Zealand international stars every game. Prof, was he a potential signing? For Shamrock Rovers, I don't know. Considering Keane failed, typical Sligo sign, isn't it? They pull out these internationals. Didn't, didn't have an Estonian Mata as well. Had an Estonian there a while back. Um, so yeah, um, Adamanis, of course, would have broken the league record had he kept a clean sheet. So that was frustrating. Um, you, t- you spoke about the atmosphere there a moment ago. Uh, <laughs> someone called their way in the zoo. It was. It was, it, it was wild it was great it, we were constantly singing either of those songs we were constantly singing about Bulger as we tend to do um, we, we were enjoying ourselves this was this was an enjoyable one we uh, we mentioned this before in the, pre- in the last week's show we were saying like, Sligo was going to be rocking purely because everyone's on the fucking mm. rip from early on and the roof yeah and the how, roof how important is that roof the rip and the roof That's that, there's your way the atmosphere right there on the rip under a roof is that not ridiculous though? That okay again going back to shells, they didn't give us any reason to cheer. Yeah. But isn't it mad how 
you, you described it like a funeral. We can't get any noise generated on that terrace. And then we come with the Sligo under the shed. And yeah we're, yeah, we're playing brilliantly. So we're all in a great mood. Like that's obvious. But it just seems like the roof just gets us going. It's nuts, isn't it? It's yeah. mad. It billows off it. But, um, so yeah, you, you said um, Gannon could be injured. He It was his challenge that led to the Sligo free kick. And then he had to come off as a result of that. And Hor came back from injury. Uh, Lions came on as well, but it's good, it's good to see them get minutes as well. I'm, I'm delighted with that. You know, just getting legs uh, back used to getting match fit. So yeah, Lions had started for the 21s for Ireland uh, on the Tuesday, so we we figured he wouldn't start this match. Um, they actually played at Bloomfield Stadium. Do you know that? That's where we won against Nyhuda. Oh really? Yeah, same so ground. Yeah. Um, of course the balls players let us down with the penalty shootout with but, Pico um, talking out at the end as well doing a John Terry <laughs> yeah very happy he just emerged that. from the crowd I was like was that Pico like, and then Pico next thing he's like, mental. he's like Rah! he's like yes get it into you Pico yeah. I, I think we're going to see him I'll talk about our starting levels in a while but um, Carl Kearns had the quote of the week he said if Derry want this title they're going to have to tear it away from us and that really resonated with me it really stuck with me because I just thought to myself it's perfect the wording of that is perfect. It's going to have to be ripped from our cold, dead hands. So It was just so satisfying. Like We're talking about the bus home and the journey home. It was so satisfying. We got the performance we wanted, the performance we needed, that we were so nervous about getting. Yep. It's just a great feeling. I think Kieran said to me, um, oh, it's a, long, uh, it's a long ride home now. I was like, uh, no it isn't <laughs> this uh, will fly by yes try try going four and a half hours home from Derry after uh, conceding the last minute goal oh god this will fly by yeah um, yeah so there was there a few sherries on the way home prof a few sherries a few tunes uh, a bit of dancing no berry but still berry uh, dancing some people filled in and uh a few a few sherries in the pubs as well after so all good and yeah what? we got back I think it was a bit after one or it's not bad that's not bad yeah um, like I said disappointing not to actually get the 3 now on the clean sheet because as a stud 3-1 that was our biggest win at the showground since March 2016 remember North and Melee scored that day oh yes um, and it's only the second time that we've scored 3 goals there since May 2009. Ooh, so that tough. would have been our biggest win there since the 3 0 win in May 2009. But the goal difference, importantly, is 7 better now, which is basically worth another point. So that, how important is that? Totally agree with that. Definitely is, yeah. And we're, we're starting to fly now. So hopefully a couple of favours along the way. But, um, and I was delighted to hear because I'd read a, a post in the, in the WhatsApp group, I think it was coming on from Malta. Staff got Jay Mangan good. Uh, I think it was when they were flying back, because I think like when he more he drinks, the more croaky his voice gets. This is brilliant. So staff just <laughs> just killed him. It was like, uh, like when's the flight home to Sesame Street? But he had drawn him in though. He had him yeah. in a conversation, and it was a serious conversation. He goes, "Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, when are you flying home to Sesame Street?" <laughs> I was just at the back of the bus and uh, Jay was like I think he, he he dozed off for a little bit and then I was kind of talking to a few people and like, so I haven't hadn't heard from him in a good 40 minutes and next thing you just hear 
Was he fucking? Is he a werewolf? <laughs> and I just burst out laughing. I was like, "Where did that come from?" All these bastards go for me. Get on! I take a tablet. <laughs> ah, he's very good, man. I love him. A big shout out to Jay Nino. Um, top top fella. Um, great hoop as well. Uh, Bradzar quote from Bradzar I think a lot of people have been making a lot of noise about us the last few weeks but these players step up they have always done and they always will and they did that tonight we know we have a busy schedule but they're ready they're fit they're strong the squad is in a good place so good stuff from Bradzar it's fight- them's fighting words prof yep we have staff that's the most comfortable I've ever seen us in the showgrounds needed to turn up and we did in abundance three excellent goals what a statement statement Barney Big B I didn't doubt this team yet in fairness they pull out big performances when they need and uh, time and time again when they do so they're levels above everybody so yeah excellent stuff from everybody all great quotes I, I will be honest like I was I was weary of this game I had no confidence going into it but I did always say that I am confident in the ability of this team being able to bounce back from adversity but secretly down I just thought we weren't going to get a result and I never you, you know me probably I never think like that I just there was something about it. I just felt we were in a funk. You it know, was, it was warranted given what you'd seen in the farm. But once again, I was proved wrong, and they did. They came out swinging, and it was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And so, I'll talk about brilliant though, Joey and Doe. <laughs> Welcome to Evan. Is he Marmite? Or, like I love him. I think he's good. He knows his football. Um, you know. I only watched the, the highlights there for the first time today. Fantastic. And to be honest, I was cringing during some of it. Uh, <laughs> like. Up to this, I I'd never actually seen a full game. Still haven't with Joey and Don commentary. So whoa, I've, whoa, whoa. so I've only been seeing clips and goals, and I've been laughing at them and I've been enjoying them. But six minutes of them, I found too much. So try yeah. ninety. Now it's great when you're winning. Like it's great when like we're scoring three goals and you've got Joey saying "Welcome to heaven" and yeah. "Oh la la" and he's calling Jack football the master, uh, the master. Um, Jaden thinks he's brilliant. Jaden thinks he was like that. Who was commentating on that? <laughs> As he joined the whole, he goes, he's deadly. He said, "It's not gymnastics. It's gaffnastics. Gaffnastics." Yeah, so that was it. Brilliant, brilliant. He does, he does say welcome to heaven for literally anything. It's a like, thing, isn't it? Tommy Alua for Atlone scored a header from two yards out into an empty net, and what was Joey's response? Welcome to heaven. <laughs> He's from Jamaica. It sounds like he's seeing a goal for the first time in his life. Every every time a goal is scored. But do you know what? He's a connoisseur of football. You can tell. He just loves football. I, I, he appreciates I, every little aspect of it. You I love the I mean? joy in his voice. It makes me smile. Mm. You can tell. But I don't know if I could last ninety minutes of his commentary. He gave he gave four man the match awards. I can't remember who the four were. Um. Someone said, "Was it was it Jack Cleary, Grace, uh, someone maybe, Gaff, maybe Gaffney?" Yeah, Gaff. Roy proper on into a bit of a controversial one now here. Shells and Pats for all. Is this a tonker of a game? A four ton- goals a each. A tonker of a game? No, no, no. There's only one term for this. Ding dong. A ding dong. A humdinger. I think this is a tonker. You are dangerously stretching am the I, definition. Am of I rewriting? There. I, re- I reject your hypothesis, sir. Are we this rewriting the rule book here? Nowhere near a Shells of any sort. Pats. That's a tonker of a game. No, it's a ding dong. All right, it's a ding dong. It's an eight goal. We'll leave that one open. Yeah, we we'll leave that one open for discussion. No, we won't. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. If you're being tonked, you're losing by four goals. Both of them scored four. 
tonker of a game. That's a, a ding dong. Where you the go, only thing I would accept is if one team was four 0 up at half time and it ended four all. Then they tonk each other in each half. <laughs> tonk. <laughs> yeah. So this was the game that was um, finally rescheduled after what was it three or four months? The one Duffer was going mad about. And uh, insane game of football. Yeah, Pat's four two down with ten men. They got a draw out of it. Boyd, he scored two. He scored an own goal. He got his obligatory yellow card. So, eventful even for him. In fact, six to eight goals scored were by current or former hoops. Yeah, this ne- this never happens. These four hours never happen. Do they? Never. Um, yeah, John O'Sullivan deleted his Twitter. Yeah, man. From Bowes, who was giving it the big one. He, 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 he'd been shy all season since he signed. But then, all of a sudden, he tweets out and he's like, Oh, I've had an injury, you know, and... You know, I've kept it myself, so it's the reason why I've been shy. It was like, fuck off. And yeah. people laid into him. You spoofer. And then delete her. And then he deleted it. He every, deleted every tweet he ever made was an apology. Yeah. Literally. Sorry for being rubbish. Lorcan Healy, you see that, that stuff is going to fly in the League of Ireland, is it? Like, it's common in the Premier League. They go on Instagram and they say, Where is he? Yeah, exactly. We go again and all. Like, Remember where you are. Like. But I don't think that, that's gonna, not going to fly in the League of Ireland. You just get take, piss taken out of you. Uh, Lorcan Healy UCD keeper couldn't remember the last few minutes of the first half in Tala that was the one that he got in the first he was absolutely milked it was a great save by, uh, from Gaff now he yeah. put Gaffney full force right in the mush that was uncomfortable reading actually I always find this uncomfortable I remember it happened to Barry Murphy remember he clashed with the post in Tala oh yeah in the game of Sligo and then I remember him being interviewed months later saying because he, cause he played on that game he did the full 90 minutes. I remember saying, oh yeah, I don't remember this part of the match. Or, um, obviously things have come on since then in terms of head injuries and how seriously we treat them. But Yeah, no, blacking out yeah. isn't, isn't fun. Now, usually mm. mine is self-inflicted. Yeah. So I don't think there's much pity there. But it is, it's a bit odd. It's a bit odd not being able to remember a block of your night and then you wake up in a strange room. You're like, oh, something's wrong here. Well, the difference between having too much vodka and <laughs> hitting your mush off a post or a Gaffney shot. Yes, so we'll have a move on with the Padre Pio, Gary O'Neill. Seen in a banister somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? Where was it? It was in Limerick or something. <laughs> Gary O'Neill, a picture of Gary O'Neill on a banister's in Limerick. It looks oh, like, man. Remember that Father Ted? <laughs> I know. It's like an episode of Father Ted or It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Like... To actually see that headline was ridiculous. Amazing. Yeah, so he's been nominated for the league's player of the month award and well deserved. Gary O'Neill has been brilliant. Um, a what? What would you call him? It's not steadfast. What's a something that's always there? He doesn't play enough though. No. Yeah. So you know what I mean. You know what I mean. He's been brilliant, Gary O'Neill, Padre Pio. So Alamanis won the club player of the month award again for September. Personally, I thought Gannon should have got it. I thought Gannon was. Brilliant for the last couple of weeks. The voting was actually he was level with um, Rory Gaffney, thirty three percent. He must say he must have shaded it, but um, you were kind of questioned. I noticed, but then I said, well, if you take out the Harps match in August or sorry September, we scored two goals in the other six games, mm-hmm. whereas Manus kept three clean sheets. Yeah, yeah, and when you break it down like that, you do have to take that into account. Let's be honest. Yep, so Lions and versus Harps won goal of the month as well, Prof. So that was the push Cinderella pass from Gaff into the path of Lions. Buried off the bar and in, a.k.a. a cracker. 
I think that second one in Sligo has got to be up there now if we're <sighs> if we're compiling a top four. Ridiculous goal. Goal of the season. What was the one that we forgot? We were, we were having this debate recently. Was it against Drogheda? Jack Yeah, Byrne? Jack against Drogs outside yeah. the box, barely top, top-ish mm. left corner. So we're going to go for the second one. Jack's assist versus Watts. And then we go, that was a good goal as well. So that's good, three good goals so far. Any more? Any more, Prof? Any more fans? Let us know. Send us in uh, if you feel you, you've got top four. But, um, Prof, top of your Christmas list. Roddy's oh. book. This, this has been pre-ordered a long time ago. I'm going to buy it. Now, a lot of people probably disagree with that. Certain uh, cliques and individuals. But I'm going to buy it. I think it's going to be fucking great reading. And I'd say there's going to be solicitors at the ready for this one. But then again, the likes of Paul Howard who wouldn't be that tick to let him libel himself. I don't... He he was on this podcast. I don't think he's going to like dish the dirt ten times the amount he, he said here. I don't. I think there's only so far he can go. Like he, oh, he's just trying to get you to buy the book. Yeah, I mean, he's he talked about the the dossier from 2003 that Arbard showed him and said, "Here's why you're being suspended." He he said he was going to release that. I'm skeptical he is going to release that, but I'm gonna I'm gonna read it anyway. Plus, remember he said here, he said in this room like you'll see me in England in the summer, and I said what level football league non league. He says you have to wait to find out. I well, suppose it's the book, it, isn't it? It's now October, Gar. Yeah, uh, I heard anything. Like you said, I think he did a bit of plastering in Bath <laughs> or something in Bristol or in a bath. In a bath, yeah. Our academy results, prof. But Gar, will Maloney be stopping by Eason to get the book signed? Not a chance. But Maloney will got he be battered, saying, battered by Roddy years he'll be saying, ago? Pay, pay twenty-one. <laughs> Never happened. Never happened. <laughs> Academy results, Prof. We had the Saturdays uh, under-17s. National League Rovers lost 3-2 at home to Derry. We had O'Ron McLaughlin and Agbo Babatunde. I want all these names, bro. Babatunde getting the goal. We had under-14s. 3-1 a win away to Cove. And we had Brody Lee with a brace. Back in a brace. And Gary Kumsky on the score sheet. The ladies under-17s. We had Bowes. Beating 2-1 in the derby, Prof. We beat them 2-1. It's superb stuff. We've Amy Tierney and Lauren McCabe, who I believe is of the football and family McCabe. The clan that is from Kilimanjaro. That's, uh, some, that's some mob they have, isn't it? Yeah, and then we had Sunday men's 15s beat three, United 3-2 in their cup quarterfinal at the Roadstone. So a big one. Big, big 3-2 win. Some f- absolute humdingers in Roadstone this season. Yeah, so the Youth Champions League second leg against uh, AZ Alkmaar. That's tonight as we record. Currently as we speak, yeah. Uh, it's on. Uh, it's not on yet, it's on a few minutes. So 5-0 down unfortunately, Prof. But hopefully they can restore some sort of pride. Yeah, and a couple of ex-hoops notes. We had uh, Kevin Zeffi, still only 17. He's been called up to the Inter Milan Youth League squad for the first time. Youth. And Danny Mandroyu, who's not underage, but he's an ex soup. He finally made his debut for Lincoln last yeah, weekend. Finally after. came on. It's been months, hmm. isn't it? So I think that's put to bed all the rumours of him coming home and uh, stepping back into the squad. Like you said, but last week it's not really likely. Put to bed, you say? Yeah, but <laughs> it's uh, it was. Uh, it's not likely that you're going to bring someone in like that at the end of the season, the tail end of our well, season. Well, there was footage of him laughing and joking and hugging. Mark Kennedy so the rumours that I presume everyone has heard were probably bogus yeah probably uh, manufactured by us just <laughs> to get him home see what you do is you write a rumour 
then somebody forwards that rumour into WhatsApp group and then yeah. get, that gets forwarded back to you. Yeah, and then you keep going. So I yeah. send you some and I tell you, <laughs> send that back to me and then I forward it and then it's a rumour. <laughs> so that's how it works. Like Ron Finn going to Pats. Yes, and uh, Borky going to Shells. <laughs> So yes, we have up next, we have Gary Hogan who uh, decided to leave Ireland and go to Norway for a career in football, so here he is. So I'm delighted to be joined now by Gary Hogan, he's an Irish former goalkeeper who went to Norway for a week and then never came back. Um, so we'll go right to the beginning there, Gary, uh, you joined Dublin City, making your debut there at the age of 19, what, what year was that and what do you remember from that time? Ah, oof. Yeah, so long ago now. Make me feel old. Um, dude, what year? It was yeah, eighteen, nineteen. So, two thousand, two thousand one, maybe. I think, and uh, it was the first year basically they were Dublin City. And what had happened was I was actually playing for Cherry Orchard uh, at under seventeen level, and planned to play for. Cherry Orchard the following year but a few weeks it was the first year actually the League of Ireland set up the under 21 league and I think six of the Cherry Orchard players signed for St. Pat's they had an agreement at the time and I remember just getting a phone call one night from the manager just saying oh, we're not having a team so I'd played for Home Farm before and I'd been on the FAI course uh, with Liam Toohey and one of my best friends assigned from I just called him up and said look uh, any chance I could my plan was uh, to win as a backup for the under 21 team uh, so I signed for them and then just uh, I got lucky he was in the first division there was a lot of interest at the time because of the change to Dublin City and the rebranding from Home Farm Home Farm Everton or whatever it was at the time and uh, no the goalkeeper got injured so I ended up playing a few games that first year uh that I wasn't prepared to do, but uh, no, it was a good experience. And uh, the one, the one and only Tony Sheridan came in around that time as well. But um... yeah, it was it, it was uh, Cheryl's first year, and it was one of those strange things. I obviously I like everybody else knew him from seeing him playing for Shells and the go on the cup final, uh, you know, and then you hear his stories. But I have to say, he was absolutely fantastic. Uh, I remember, like I, um, like I had a good start. Uh, first couple of games played quite well, but then I had I had a shocker away to Limerick. Uh, got a back pass, and I think I took too long over it and kicked it against one of their strikers, and uh, they scored. And I was obviously young goalkeeper, devastated about it. And uh, John McDonnell was the was the manager at the time, and I tried to speak to him on the bus. <laughs> Or before getting onto the bus to basically say, Oh look, I'm sorry. And he told me basically where to go. I was like, Oh, okay. So I got onto the bus and I'll never forget it. And funny enough, I spoke to Tony recently, uh, about it last year. So when I got onto the bus, Tony just dragged me down beside him. Uh to sit with him on the way back to Dublin. Uh to tell me not to worry about it and like that it was gonna be fine and that we all make mistakes. So it's the one thing of all the Tony Sheridan stories that people talk about is one that uh, will always stick with me and the one I, I always tell people. I thought it was a, it meant a lot at the time. That makes sense. Someone like him coming into, I was only starting out uh, with his background and 
the way he was at that moment, especially after the conversation I'd had with the with the manager. So, uh, and he did a couple of really special things that year as well. So you could see the level wasn't quite for him. If that makes sense. And he actually trained with Rovers for a short time under Roddy Collins out at the AUL complex. Um, yeah, so that, that was there? down to that was Brian. O'Shea, Milo, the was a goalkeeping coach that had a home farm, and he was with Roddy at the time. So he took me a couple of places, and that leads on to actually when I got injured. It was uh, I went out and I used to, I was working because I'd been injured, and I was trying to get back in. But and Brian brought me out to the Rovers, so I used to train out in the AOL in the mornings. Uh, so I was lucky the place where I worked let me I'd go and train. It was a drive out with Stephen Goff, uh, the fullback. He played live near me in Monkstown at Rovers. So I'd go out and train with them in the morning. Which surprised me when, when Milo told me that they trained at the AOL. It's not what I expected. So it was uh, I'd been there before, obviously, with the international get togethers and hated it with it because of the wind and the but uh. No, so I spent the spell there right as I was getting myself ready to go back to England. And uh, I used to train, yeah, I think three or four mornings a week. But it was never with the intention of signing at the time. It was only to get myself fit again after. But, and Milo was, was great to me. Like, ironically, when I did, when I uh, tore my cruise ship a while later, uh, he was the goalkeeping coach at Drada. And I was training with him, me and actually me and Gary Rogers did a session out in the Elsa, the training complex out there, just the two of us with Milo on the morning. And then I went and I played a friendly for Drada against Verona, of all things. And I only came on as a sub with a few minutes left. It was a ball through the middle and I got injured and I was supposed to go to England the following week. <laughs> so it wasn't. Um, so I can say I can, I can blame Milo for that part of it. <laughs> But, uh, you know, he he was great for me. But, uh, no, it's a pity. Like, my family, I don't know if I told you before, like, uh, my family are all Shaman Rogers fans. So I grew up uh, hearing about everything to do with Rovers. And then even when I went after my first year with Dublin City, it was Harry Kenny that took me to Ashtown Villa. And uh, obviously, there's not that many bigger legends in, in Rovers history than him. You know, and uh, you know, Mark actually, his brother Mark was playing for Rovers at the time, I think. So, yeah. just the, the Rovers thing has just been there over and over and over. Uh, and now, especially even now, like I said, when when Bron, I was living a few minutes away from Bron Stadium when Rovers played them a few years ago, and now it's come up again with uh, uh, with Mola. So, it's uh, one of their. Saddest things I never actually played properly in the in the league. Because I spent my whole year as a as a footballer, or my whole career as a footballer, but never played in the in the Premier Division back home, which is a bit strange. You, did you go to both legs against Brand in twenty nineteen, home and away? No, in that as well. No, that's the, the strange part of it was I lived literally a ten minute walk from the stadium here, but me and my girlfriend or wife now. Uh, we were away on holiday. We'd already booked the holiday before the draw was made. 
and we were going, we went to Egypt, and then we were going back to Ireland. So we just by chance, and we were lucky, happened to be at home. We got back the day before the the leg and talent. So, so we missed all the the craziness and how like the the Rovers fans are still talked about by some people here in uh, in Bergen from uh, the few days that they had over here. So I only saw the sec- I only saw the the away leg. I had a good friend of mine play play for Brown at the time, and I went and fully like I said, you fully expecting Brown to win, but. Um, Rovers are great, and the atmosphere is fantastic. It was, it was the first time I'd been there since I think the last time I'd actually been to a game was when they played Tottenham back in. It must be two thousand eleven, maybe two thousand eleven. Yeah, I think it was, Harry Kane scored his first goal for Spurs. That's what I always remember about it mm. in the game against us, and that that was the last. So I hadn't been to a game since then. So I was quite surprised when I got the the atmosphere and it was fantastic. Even uh, so my wife, she was shocked. She thought she thought it was brilliant. Because even though we get really good crowds over here, compared to most of the teams maybe in the league back home, the atmosphere isn't quite the same as what we get back in uh, back in Ireland or like you say, what people see over here from like the UK back in Ireland, England. So it's like the even I think remember the night when they played against Spurs, some of some of the abuse Harry Redknapp was getting <laughs> was was shocking. You won't get that sort of behaviour in the fans over here. So yeah, it was that uh, was after his trial, wasn't it? Yeah. So I thought when they're thinking you should be in jail, you should be in jail, Harry Redknapp, you should be in jail. Yeah, I think that's gone off for quite a bit of that. <laughs> but uh, no, so I only saw that leg. So no, it's a pity you now because. Mold is too far from here, uh, so I can't get to that leg either. Over so the problem you have with Norway is that we have a similar population to uh, back home, but like the country's massive, you have to like fly to half the places. So the uh, from Bergen where I live to go to Molda, is that we have to fly, or else it's uh, I don't think it's a seven or eight hour drive. I think. Over mm. our mountains, so that that's up. So there's no chance of getting there for that. Yeah, so I remember, Holman, obviously. Uh, I remember flying uh, from Oslo to Bergen. Yeah, I went out to that game myself three years okay. ago. Yeah, like you said, everything's too far away from each other. I just you just fly everywhere. Like it's 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 funny. It's one of the things I spoke when I first came over here. It's it was in a, a town that was like two hours north of Trondheim. And that year we had one game that was about a 45 minute drive. Then the rest of the games were in like Trondheim, which was a two hour drive. Or else we'd go to the airport in Trondheim and fly down to Oslo, which is like an hour flight. And I was like, what? Because I remember growing up, like if, if you had to, was from going from the north side to the south side, it was a trek. We're like, what? And even, funny enough, when I started out with Dublin City, my first two games were actually away to Cove and away to Finn Harps. And I remember kind of speaking to the senior lads at the time and they were like, oh, Jesus. you know, these two games, the first ones we look at on the, when the official list comes out, it's like, because they're such a trick. And I felt that way back then. There was even going to draw them. It was like, the, like a long trip to the Roman clubs. 
and then you come to Norway and everything's a flight or a, mm. and they don't mind a nine hour bus trip either which takes a little bit of getting used to but I'm saying I don't know that's what we do it's like there's certain parts of the country that they'll, they'll figure out the trip they go the day before and just drive so that took a little bit of adjusting <laughs> So jumping back into your career, um, working off a dodgy uh, Norwegian Wikipedia page here, so I don't know if these years are correct, uh, but you went to England in 2005, I think. Uh, you trained under Chris Coleman at Fulham, um, and this was a dual registration contract with Fulham and Sutton United. How did that work? Yeah, that came, again, it was after, that wouldn't have been that much longer after I'd been training with Rovers, I think to get fit the, the six months before maybe and I got a chance to go to America and it was like okay I haven't played in a while I've only been trying to get fit so I went over I was going to sign for a club in the USL league I think it was called but while I was over there I met the, the goalkeeping coach the first team goalkeeping coach a fellow called Vic Bettinetti from Fulham was there and he basically said, Look, don't come to America yet. America's gonna always be there. He said, Look, get yourself back home and we'll figure something out. So I think it was only home a few weeks and he rang me and he brought me over there. And uh yeah basically I played I was playing games for reserves while getting fit and then Sutton called Fulham looking for a goalkeeper on loan. And they already had one of their Keepers, where was he? He was out on loan at Lewis, was the club at the time. So they figured out well I could go and play games with them while still playing games with the reserves and training every day. So I never actually trained with Fulham. <laughs> I played played matches, trained with Fulham, and then even there was a spell where I was back home for a little while, and I, I flew over for a couple of games. So I used to, I used to train with Brian O'Shea uh, for a few weeks, and then I fly over to. <laughs> Something to play matches on a on a on a Saturday, so, so uh, it was a great experience. The Fulham thing was obviously they had Anthony Niemi was the the first keeper at the time, but he was out. I think he had a head injury, and then they had a big Czech or Slovak guy, Jan Lavskovka, and then Mark Crossley, but he was out on loan at the time, so he was in a couple of days a week. So having a chance to train with uh, keepers like that was just from being injured for a couple of years it was a brilliant experience. So and then to get play to play games in the in the conference. Uh, playing the FA Cup games. Most of the type of things you used to see on uh, the video printer back home. <laughs> you know, I was like my dad was able to see the results coming up on on BBC or whatever when he was at home. So that, that was a, that was a new experience compared to playing in the, the Dublin City or playing in the Leinster Senior League. It's a bit of a bit of a change. So after a couple of years in England, what, what was your mindset then and how did this move to Norway actually come about? While I was playing while I was playing for Sutton and when I was fully fit, it was, I was looking at uh, yeah, what to do next basically. So and I was just about I went down I trained with Torquay uh, for a for a little while while I was playing with Sutton. And again, like Fulham were great. They were helping me trying to get possibilities. So I went, so I used to go down to uh, Torquay. Um, 
again played a couple of behind closed doors games and started talking about contract. So I was like, okay, I was going to go for it. And then out of nowhere, it was not something I ever thought about before. Like it was an English coach, and it was obviously true being in in England. An English coach was managing up here, and he needed a keeper. And again, it's it's funny. They said about going for a week and never coming back. When I got the phone call, I in my head I wasn't really considering. It. I was like, there's a bit like, uh, you know, back home we we don't think about going to countries other than England. Obviously, it's different now. I know a lot of the, the young players, especially with Brexit. And then there's a few boys have gone to Syria, but that that was never an option back then. And it was only England are bust. England are playing the league of Ireland. They, they were the options you kind of had in my generation anyway. Um, but he was convincing enough to like fly me up there just to have a look around. And it was funny because in with Torquay, they didn't have a training ground. So they're in League Two at the time. Colin Lee and Keith Hurl were the managing team. Uh, but so they used to train. We get changed at the clubhouse at the stadium, and then drive for half an hour to a pair of it's Oh, I can't remember the name. It was a Bishop Abbott, but basically a race course. So they used to train in the middle of a of a race course, like in Leopardstown or something like that. Just did a few goals stuck in there. And then I did even they had a goalkeeper that had played for Crystal Palace. Miller was his name. He was doing some goalkeeping coaching. And we I remember doing a session with him in like an indoor like gym hall, like you have in a secondary school. Which is like a hard court like basketball. I was like, okay, this is the football league. And then so when I did go up, that I think the main thing that swung me when I came up here was the facilities and everything were amazing. You know, so they asked me to come up, just have a look around. Even though this was the the third tier of of Norway, yeah, yeah, that was the third tier of Norway. It was like just would you and like you can imagine you're thinking, okay, I want to play in the football league. If not, you know, come back, hopefully, sign for a club in the Premier Division back home. Now that I was fully fit and everything, so the third level in Norway. But Stuart Gibson was his name. Uh, and he's still a good friend, actually, to this day. He was the coach who brought me up. Just convinced me to come up. I was like, okay, I'll come up and have a look around. And, yeah, from the moment I got up, it was, just, it was just a different world to what I was used to and what I, we'd grown up with. You know, even, like, the professionalism of everything, like, from the moment they asked me to come up. I would say Torquay. I remember I played a match for Sutton. One night, I think we played Eastley on the Tuesday night. My dad was over to visit to watch, and I was to go and train with Torquay the rest of the week. I remember my dad came with me, and I was sitting like the train. I think the, like, the train ticket was at like, 90 pounds or something. I was like, Jesus. And like Torquay were basically just like, well, we're training tomorrow, just be here. Or like when Stuart called me, like, where are you now? Where do you want to fly from? I'll fix it. Uh, took care of it. Go up there. Brought me straight about to show me around. And yeah, it was just a different. Obviously, the one thing you need to get used to is the pitches because you the artificial pitches. 
which obviously we still had a taboo about back home, but are commonplace over here. Nearly, even in the top league here now, I think there's only two or three clubs that play on natural grass. So artificial pitches are the norm. But even looking around that, they turn on the lights and the stands, like, there's no better than any of the, the grounds in the League of Ireland. But the artificial pitch meant we could train there all the time. Then they had the gym right beside it. They had an indoor hall. Everything was like, okay. And then when I found out, they trained full time. Now, they trained in the afternoon, but they trained yeah, like one day off a week. Whereas it's obviously different to what I was used to. You know, like, uh, and then the full-time players that we had would train in the morning because they have connections. All the secondary schools, not all the secondary schools, a lot of the secondary schools here have uh, kind of elite sporting options. So our version of, say, fifth year and sixth year, you can choose what direction you want to go. And if you're a really good footballer, they have an option where they have coaches. Um, your first two classes, four days a week, will be training, and then you went. Then you went like your maths class or English class or whatever. Of course, so the full time players could train there as well. So that was I was just I was kind of stunned by that. It's like going from training like twice a week or three nights a week or traveling around the world. It was okay. It's basically full time everywhere. So, um, yeah. Was so basically, yeah, I came up and after a few days, we're like, What do you think? I was like, going back, and to be fair, Stuart's words were, and they've, they've stuck with me to this day because it was so true. He said, You go back and you'll sign, you can sign for Turkey, and you'll get a one year contract and spend the next few years looking for contract after contract up to League One, maybe the championship. So but here, if you do well here, uh, you'll make a living for yourself. I was like, okay. And it was so, he said, if you, if you come up and they like you and you, you treat people well here, they look after you. And that has been, been so true. And if you take after, obviously I played for a few years, apart from the one year we can talk about, I went to Estonia. Support since I finished playing, that's the biggest difference when I was compared to back home. There's so many jobs in football here, which at, at so many different levels. Um, and it's like my wife's asked me quite a few times about living, but she loves, she loves when we go back to Dublin. She loves living home. It's like, like what about living over there? And that's my biggest concern. It's just like, unless I want to do something else. There's not as many jobs in football like they have over here. You see that the different club levels, schools, professional level, all of them, and like there's just full time work in football all over the country. That shocked me. Mm-hmm. So even the fact that like full time players at that level, it's basically well, if you say our third level as well, the Lancer Senior League, really, and even then you compare what we've got in the first division. And I came up here and it was like full-time players. They had like Canadian internationals in the league my first year. <laughs> I was like, what? 
that was a shock. <laughs> I was like, okay. So it was, uh, yeah, it just kind of opened my eyes completely because we, we, we're not brought up that way. We're, we look at other countries maybe as inferior, so like England or nothing, or the UK or nothing. And you come up here and I was like, okay. I remember I took, I took my UEFA B license uh, back, with, back in Dublin. Um, there was quite a few of the, oh yeah, so that's why I took it, because it was the same uh, summer season course, so a lot of the, FA, the PFAI were part of it. So a lot of the League of Ireland players were on the course at the time. And I remember, like I said, Kevin McHugh was on the course. I remember sitting around just in the evening talking about it, and he was like, oh, I'd never think about going out there. Why would I? Why? And I'm like, playing part-time most of the time. It's a different, it's just players that have played in the league wouldn't consider it. So it was the fact that I did it so early, Gaten, that just got me out. Whereas I would have looked at the same. I never would have considered uh, Norway as an option. <laughs> you know, and then uh, you look at, say it's, it's shocking now, is it like, would have done really well in Europe the last couple of years? And they said that it's a big debate or a big discussion in Norway now. They've got like players earning is it, nearly a million a year for the first time. Mm. It's like wow. It's like that's not something we would have ever thought was possible in such a small country like Norway. And um, when you compare it to our leagues, which aren't that far apart, but those numbers are obviously yeah, there's a big difference uh, to back home. So you've you've uprooted to Norway. So you had uh, the, the club you're with was called uh, Steinkier. You had two spells with them with a season in Oslo. In between, uh, you also played for a club called Hamcam. And um, mm. you have a highlight from these years in Norway. What was some of your favourite, I suppose, accomplishments? It's oh, it's a tough one. It's like the my time at Steinkier was probably my favourite part because I've gone from living in Dublin playing in Dublin living in London playing in London and then I went to Stainshire which is something I never expected and it was the first time you got a feeling of I don't know not being like a footballer like I was playing full time training full time and I think the town only has a population of like 25,000 people you know, so which was great when we were doing well. It wasn't great on the Monday morning after you got beaten six 0 <laughs> Going down to the supermarket was not the best experience. You're afraid of what everybody was going to ask you. But uh, just the way that that experience, you're playing. I still remember my dad came over for one of the games, and I think there was fifteen hundred people at just a normal game at that level, and my dad couldn't believe it. Just like that, and then obviously finishing. My career, I've been retired and going back and getting to play for Sandyford in the in the top level uh, for the last season. That was uh, a decent experience, 
you know, playing in front of 10 or 15,000 people. Um, that when after I thought I was done and experiencing it again, something for a small town. Um, Formerly managed by uh, a Carlo man, actually, uh, Pat Walker. Yeah, Pat, funny enough, he, him and Stuart Gibson know each other quite well. Uh, the, the guy who brought me over here. And he was the manager when I first moved here. So he would have been the manager in 2008. And uh, because I remember when when I was doing well, Stuart kept mentioning him as an option about like, trying to get me a move to Sonic. Because they might have been, I think they were in the second level back then, which again is, is still it's all full time. They've yo yoed a lot. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, but Mr. Walker, he's still. You know, so his, his sons both play, don't they? Or one of them? Playing I think I think one might be retired, but yeah, um, Kevin still plays. Yeah. So no, well, unfortunately I never got to meet him, but I remember he was the first. This, Stuart mentioned straight away. It's like, you know what it's like when you go away as an Irish person. If you meet someone, um, someone knows an Irish person, like, oh, do you know him? <laughs> I was like, no, I don't, it's not that small. <laughs> you know, it's like, no, I've never, but I never, I never came across him. So, he went back to Sweden a little while afterwards. I think he, he left the following year. So it's, uh, yeah. So, so you were, the, you were given the nickname uh, Hulk over there by uh, fans. I don't know which club gave you that nickname, but he obviously made an impression. And <laughs> what sort of fanaticism is it like over there? You talked about the attendance is surprising you. What were the fans yeah, like yeah. towards you? I think when I compare it to back home, is I often when I people like do different interviews and we we talk about the difference. It's like the way Norway is. It's very if you pay play for a say the one club in the area. It's the small area, but it's the one club. So me and my dad was the one when he when he actually that. One game that he came to that he pointed it out, he compared it a little bit to the GAA back home. It was the the county feel compared to take the League of Ireland. You've got I don't know four or five, six clubs in one like in Dublin, and a lot of the players could probably walk down O'Connell Street or Grafton Street, and nobody would know who they are. Whereas here, there's one club in an area, and that club can kind of consumes the whole town, and the newspapers talk about it all the time. The local TV stations, everything. So it's like it's they the attendances aren't huge, but everybody in the town knows what's going on. So like the local the local newspapers are the killer. They. Uh, they focus on that club. So I wasn't joking. I said the Mondays, everybody would pick up the paper on the Monday morning and know how the team did, made the match report and blah, blah, blah. So then if you'd walk through the local shopping centre, you'd have the same conversation about seven or eight times. <laughs> the people stopped me who weren't at the game, but read about in the paper and talked about it. As you go higher up, like Hamcam, the fans there, they were fantastic. They've got a really hardcore group. Uh, more similar to the likes of Rovers, 
than Stanger would have done. That was just more a local town club. Hamcam had a hard court, the Bristol Bannon, they're called. And they were, that was a different environment. I enjoyed it, but the, the atmosphere of the games weren't fantastic. Because they were very loud and very negative towards the more of the local players. And they'd had a, they'd, a bit like some of the clubs back home, they'd had a spell where they spent a lot of money. And it was well known that players earned a lot of money. And they got relegated and blah, blah, blah. So the atmosphere in that stadium wasn't wasn't great for them. I didn't I didn't mind. I was lucky. <laughs> like very lucky. But uh it's well like I said to you earlier, it, it's a different environment than what we're used to. Like playing for people back home is like because the the kind of the I'll put a passion's the wrong word, but you know it's just not the same here. It's more of a family or environment when people go to games rather than it's not as loud and it's not as passionate. Then like, when you see some of the footage of the uh, Rovers against Bowls, for example, and then people complain, I was like, I think it looks great. <laughs> I think that it's, it must be great to play in front of that, but they don't get that here. You know, it's just uh, in the same way. I think was it the same at the was it the Braun game when they scored was it for the second goal? I think fans ran onto the pitch. Yeah, there was uh, a couple of couple of pitch invasions right by people. Yeah, like, behind uh, the goal. Hellstone. And they wrote they wrote about that in the newspapers over here for a long for a while afterwards about how terrible it was. <laughs> it just because it doesn't happen here. It's they don't have that same kind of. Uh, I just don't have the same atmosphere. I remember uh, you interviewed two brand fans after the game, and they mm. actually quite loved the pitch invasion. They called it old school, yeah. that sort of joy and emotion. They actually quite liked it. But, yeah, um, and that's a, like, and that would make sense with with, with Brand because, like, even uh, Ina, my wife, she said to me, uh, she's from up north. So it was only when she like that up there everybody loves Rosenberg. You know, so but they're from Trondheim, which is I say as I said, two hours south of uh Lavonga, where she's from. And obviously traditionally Rosenberg had been the biggest club in the country. Um but it was only when we moved to Bergen, like she was shocked about how it is here with the they have like there's I'm sure some of the Rovers fans were there because like a, a pub that's actually just called a football pub in the centre of Burke and on match days like the fans all go there from morning and the, most of the games here start at 6 o'clock on a Sunday <laughs> so they, they go there from morning when the place opens all day and then they go to the games <laughs> and it was only when Ina when she came there she was like I didn't realize Braun were this big. The kids here wear the shirts. You know, so when you go anywhere and you ask kids about their favorite team, there's a Braun and Man United or Liverpool or, but they'll go around wearing the Braun shirts. 
So they would have loved the the atmosphere. So the the hardcore supporters really do love the. I spoke to mm-hmm. Rosenberg fans that went away to Sligo a few years ago. Uh, and then Rosenberg played away to Dundalk, and it was the same thing. Then it was like that. Obviously, the ones that travel to your away games, they're the hardcore, and they love it. But they don't get enough of that here in in the normal league games. Because I think like Molda average maybe around six thousand, I think six thousand for most home games. But it's a much quieter six thousand than you get if you had it in Tala. Mm. Uh, very very different. Um, so we'll talk about how you went into coaching in a moment, but um, you had that one year in Estonia, Talon Kalev. This was under a German manager, and uh, I've seen you describe it as a, a, a disaster. <laughs> yeah, no, I was like, it was like when I was leaving, when I was still with Hamcam, and different options came up, and this came up. And they saw that as they were going to be in the Europa League. And they wanted me to come in as captain. So it was like, and again, when I went over, everything seemed like a great idea. So went over twice to look around. And yeah, Frank Bernhardt was the German coach. He'd been at San Pauli in the, the Bundesliga. And he'd been... I think the previous year he'd been at the Estonian International, maybe under 21 thing. But uh, no, literally everything was told before I signed wasn't true. Uh, we never got paid. And it was like, I think it was there for six, six, first six months. It wasn't paid at all. Got paid the first month. And then uh, didn't get paid after that. And then there were some strange things. We were playing against Slovakia, Tallinn, one of the bigger clubs. We were warming up. And then the assistant just walked onto the pitch and was like, oh, no, game's off. It's been flagged from match fixing. I was like, okay. So, no, it was a pity. It was, like, it was, a, it was a good experience. Tallinn's a fantastic city to live in. I loved it over there, like in terms of the city and the place. And I've gone back there quite a few times since. But no, we didn't. We had German players and Turkish players and a lot of locals. But uh, basically the club didn't have any money. And they brought us all in and promised, yeah, basically promised the moon and stars. And then what they do is they pay you a little bit. So then when we spoke to UEFA or FIFA, they have a rule that you, if you haven't been paid at all, for a certain amount of time they can do something about it so like have you been paid at all it was like well, we got a couple of hundred euros last month like oh well then we have to wait till so it was only after when i came back to norway at the end of the season and be fair the niso the norwegian version of the pf pfa they actually helped me chase it up and get some of the money back but it was a pity because when I was going over, it was something I was really excited about. In terms of the idea of playing in like the Europa League. It's a full time league. Again, beautiful city. Um, 
So that was that's ah, a bit of a disappointment that, uh, that it went out worked that way. And I, I did, probably to be fair, made me realise how lucky I was in Norway years before because that was 2013 so I'd been here for five years and had never had to worry about anything um, so like, I was never in doubt at the moment that that happened I was like I'm getting, I'm getting back to Norway <laughs> I'm not moving and so so by 2016 you had uh, dipped your toe into management and there's a, a model of the connection here because you actually knocked out Oddie Gunnar Solskjaer is mauled out of the Norwegian Cup um, yeah. was, was this a massive upset? Yes, it was a it was a huge thing at the time. It was a, something I look back on now. I try not to think it was a, uh, I'd come up against Ole Gunnar a few times as as a player, and uh, seen him a few times since. But like, the one thing I think I always remember apologising to him afterwards. <laughs> so I remember thinking it was stupid that a second second division club should be knocking out. Uh, a tip a league club but uh, no it was a huge night it was uh, we we'd beaten the local big club in the round before in a game that we didn't deserve to win we literally we got battered uh, we got absolutely battered and we scored a free kick I think it was and we, we won 1-0 and that's the game I always remember. Then we got mauled in the next round. We got them at home. So it was obviously a good... Uh, they have a system here that they make sure that the, the top clubs play away from home in the cup for the first couple of rounds to to make sure that the clubs get get a big gate. So I think we got 3,500 or 4,000 or something like that. It was like we had to get extra... Like an extra stand put in for the game, like a temporary one, just for the mold again, that we'd never ever need again. But the strange thing was, yeah, it was, it was, we actually deserved to win that game. We should have been knocked out the round before, but we actually deserved to beat Mold. Went 1-0 up, and they equalised right after half time. I was thinking, okay, we're gone. But, uh, I think we scored, I don't know, 10 minutes left, 15 minutes left. But, I remember I was quite surprised because they went quite, direct very early it's one of the things that surprised me i had an english coach with me tom dent to, we were saying to him we have it we might have a chance here if they if they keep doing this because they just start putting long balls into the box after we scored the first goal i, was like, hmm. I thought we might be outplaying more than this so now we've um yeah we got them they got one over because when i was at ham cam they actually knocked us out of the cup away at all so and Solskjaer was a manager. It was like, uh, it was funny people talk about it because was I played in the game against them for Hamcam. But our second keeper was injured when we played them at Sherlock's Bank when we knocked them out. And technically I was on the bench, but I still wore a suit <laughs> on the sideline. <laughs> so that got a few Twitter headlines. So I was like, God knows what would have happened if he'd gotten injured. So um, now Mulder's come up, even my first year, my very first year. Uh, Molda beat us at Stanchion on penalties on penalties in the cup. So I've come up yeah, three times in the cup in yeah, seven years. So um, 
what sort of model team are you facing, do you think, this season? And what are their expectations in the group? Like I said, like from the outside, as we talk about, we look at the Belgian league being the strongest, but um, I think they really, they really think dug it out of the group, and they're having an unbelievable season. Like, uh, like I said, they broke the broke the record on Saturday most games they've won in a row since 1986 or something like that I think they've won 14 14 games in a row they're 15 points clear but for them to continue they they need to progress for the financial side to try and keep keep up with Budigan you know so Mulder Rosenberg is the biggest club in the country Mulder and Wallering get maybe the next two. But Budenland have had a fantastic couple of years. And obviously, like we talked about earlier on, they're in a position now where they can sign whatever players they want. So the longer, the further Mulder can go in Europe, obviously, the better they'll be financially. Like They, they have been the best club over here in the last couple of years. But Budenland won the league and have been great in Europe. So I think they'd see it as a massive disappointment if they, obviously no disrespect to our league, if they're in a group with an Irish club, Swedish club and a Belgian club, I think they'd be really disappointed if they if they didn't uh, progress. Especially when you look at like, Budaglimt in the Europa League in the same group as so PSV and Arsenal. And I've had a good start in the group, and I might progress there. So, no, I think it's the the one thing is, let's say, when Rovers' favour coming into it is it's the wrong way to put it. Like the lack of respect maybe they have for the league. They said, Bron, if you look at the resources and everything Bron have, they shouldn't have lost. And they they lost comfortably. Um, all of them. So Rovers, the, the possibility is like for Rovers to get out of the group. If having two games against Mold in a row for me, I think is a big advantage because they can beat them both times. And then like they've they've already seen so far. It's like how did you feel the? the how was the game against your going? Um, we played quite well. We, we actually came off the pitch disappointed we didn't win the game because we had enough chances to win it. They they took over in the last 15 minutes and they could have could have nicked it. But uh, yeah, we felt we could have won, and then we were yeah. totally outplayed in uh, in Belgium. Yeah, no, but that shows you then. It's like then if, it's, if you look at Molda and Jurgen have been similar. That that gives you a chance. This is to win the home games and get results away. It's like because I was like surprised. I see the Belgian, the, the Belgian league is a much better league than the other three. Um, like even you look at the likes of uh, players leave the league here to go and play in Belgium. Sometimes there's the middle step 
the Belgian league and then the Dutch league are kind of two middle steps that players, the best players in this league go be, before they go on to Serie A or I think there's a lot of players at the moment playing in Serie A, Premier League and French League, but the Belgian league is mm. like that middle step, you know, so they should be expected to win it. But then the likes of Rover should be more than capable of getting results against Mulder and Jurgo, which gives them a chance to get at least the, the playoff. And then, yeah, Mulder be looking at it the same way. Mm. You know, so the, the big, maybe the, the advantage Rovers have in that regard is the Norway-Sweden thing comes into play a little. Is there's that oh, that's a better league, that's a better league. That's been an argument they've had for a long time up here. Whereas for Rovers, it, they're just one-off games against teams that don't matter. You know, if, if Rovers beat Molde or lose to Molde, there's not, there's no fallout to it. If Molde lose two games against Jurgarden, it's going to be all over the newspaper and the TV here about the, the state of the Norwegian League compared to the Swedish League. Mm-hmm. So there are things that maybe come into play a little bit. Although I think any time um, Norwegian team was lost uh, against an Irish club, the, the managers got fired after. <laughs> so <laughs> that doesn't help either. Yeah, I so remember Bran were uh, quite shocked there right, after, we, after we beat them in Tata. Yeah, I, th- I thought he was going. I actually thought he was going after that. I remember sitting watching it. I remember saying, but that I'm surprised that he doesn't but they didn't, they didn't fire him after that. It was, it was a, Rosenberg fired the manager after they lost the first leg against Sligo yeah. a few years ago. And they beat them in the second leg with the new manager. But, uh, yeah, he got, he got a few more games after. But that just goes, shows the ignorance in a way, which we, we I've seen both sides of it now after growing up back home and spending so much time here. Because I, if you get an Irish club over here, the Norwegian clubs automatically assume they're going to beat them. So uh, it's just the Irish league. And that uh, we're kind of the same when we look at like uh, Scandinavian clubs, that's not that great. But beat them, we, we don't. There's a kind of disrespect of all of them both ways. And I've kind of tried to sit on the fence and explain to people. It's not, it's like the, both leagues have their their, their strong points it's like the physicality and the the quality of the best teams back home is very difficult to match for clubs over here but then like the overall quality for like I said full time setups and everything is is really strong here and, you know so you can't when they but when you ask a Norwegian person about the Irish League like oh like they were shocked when Braun lost. They were shocked, you know. And I, was, I was trying to say, like Shamrock Rovers are a huge club, it's like a amazing history. You know, you can't just assume you're going to beat them, but because nobody talks about it, we still get grouped in as you know. It's like the lower leagues of England. As that's the way kind of it's looked at over here, you know. So so when people say, I said no, I said you. You're not going to get an easy game going away to play a talent in front of whatever seven thousand people. There's no chance. It's uh, 
and yeah, the same here. It's like the, the quality of some of the players is so high that I think it's higher than people back home would give a credit for. You know, so I think there's a few Irish players have played over here. So the Eamon Zaid had a spell at Olison. That didn't go very well from saying you know, Eamon was surprised that it was the standard was as high. You know, so no, it's going to be interesting. It's going to this is the biggest, well, saddest thing is I'm not getting to be at the game. It'd be fun to it'd be actually it would be a lot of fun to be at the the Tala game. I'd rather be at the game in Tala than <laughs> Mola atmosphere wise. Is there many Rovers fans going to come over? You think? Um, about eighty that I know of so far could could possibly be a hundred, but um, yeah, they'll travel over. But um, we will leave it there. So Gary, um, really enjoyed the the chat about your career in Irishman in Norway. It's fascinating. No, no problem at all. Thank you. Really enjoyed it. And, uh, like I said, let me know if you ever get Bron again. Let me know. So some excellent stuff from Gary Hogan, and like I said, I was going to talk about it. the big thing I took from that was the industry that exists within Norway for footballers and coaches and things like that. There's an industry there, where we, which is what we don't have in Ireland. So he could actually have a different couple of jobs offered to him from all mm. over Norway. And and that, that was it. It's, it's impressive. As I said to you, we, we haven't had an industry here. Obviously, things have come on leaps and bounds in recent years. And I think when he went away, obviously that's his the, the time he experienced he spoke about training at Roddy at the AUL complex. So that would have been about 2004. Mm. And he, he thought it was rubbish. Um, obviously, if he came to Rovers now, it would be a different story. But he's comparing attendances. I think it was like third, third, fourth level. They would get about 1,200. Yeah. Which isn't huge. But I mean, like... It's steady. The, the fourth level. I mean... How many would you get at our fourth level? Exactly, you wouldn't. Oh, you get one man and his dog, like realistically. Yeah. So, and uh, yeah, like he, his dad, he, he mentioned his dad was times. Dad from Bray, and uh, he came over and he couldn't believe the the crowds, because he's he, like obviously he he knows Bray and like he doesn't see the games advertised anywhere. There's no major interest in the town for their local club, <laughs> whereas over there. Um, every town has its own club and their own passion of fans so it's everybody talks different. about it it's weird isn't it it's how, how do you how do you instill that mentality into a community you know make them care mm. it's a very very hard thing to do very very hard I like the little links in the end actually with uh, Molda and Rovers um, which I didn't know about going in I didn't know he lived around the corner from Bran and that he had been to the second leg and his family were Rovers fans, so yeah. that was, uh, it was it was cool to hear that. So nice touch and brilliant stuff from Gary Hogan. Very very interesting. Um, Prof, next up, it's a big one. This it's been a contentious issue now for a week or two. It's Dan Levens and predictions. So this one, Prof's gone first. Prof has notions. I have notions. Yes, Prof indeed. has notions. Yeah, well, you, Actually, I, hold on. I'm going to tick as many <laughs> as I have. So I'm going to tick them off as you go along, right? Right, so let us in goal. Um, <laughs> no, so I picked I picked 10 of the 11 straight away. Right. I found it very easy. Go on. Um, now, I do have Gannon in, so I'm not aware of his injury situation. Okay. I'm also not aware of McCann. Is he Me fully similar, fit? Yeah. So I picked 10 of them straight away. The only one I couldn't decide on was Finn or Ferrugia. So okay. I went back and forth there. So I ended up going... Adam Manis, 
Har Cleary Gannon because I want to give Grace a rest. Right. Ferugia and Lions. Okay. Wing back. And then we have McCann, Ferrazai, Burke, Watts, and Greener up front. <sighs> Ooh, so that is my not too 11. Bad. I 11. have. No, I'm not going to go with that. I am going to go with. Um, I'm going to go Manus. I'm going to go Cleary, Pico, Har. I think it's a great opportunity for Pico, Pico to finally get minutes into his legs. I think he'll bring him on as a sub first, though. I think he's well able to slot in. Because if you look at international level, he has played against all sorts of levels. Up, down, brilliant levels. We're not talking about levels, though. We're talking about recovering from... I know, I know. But I think, I think he's well able to slot in. And I think it's time. It's time from from the from to get this by the bollocks. So Pico's in for me. I'm gonna go Cabo on the left and Ferrugia on the right. Um Gary O'Neill McCann in the middle. Ferrozoi, Bork and Watts. I'm playing Bork in a nine. Ooh. I just think he played brilliant the other night. He was excellent. And I'm going for something different. I'm paying me bollocks. I'm going for <laughs> something different. And I'm gonna go uh two all draw with Ferrozoi getting an assist and Bork getting uh, a brace well I've already given my prediction on the show I think Berkey is going to have a great run in so I am predicting a, we, we're looking for our first goal actually in this group stage yeah so I think Berkey will get it but do I think we'll avoid defeat Ooh. I think Berkey will get us an equaliser for one all yes but we may not hang on Okay, that's so my fear. So I'm thinking maybe one all or two one defeat. Okay, I'm going two two draw. Um, yeah. So make sure that you note that the shells kick off is five o'clock. The big brings in derby is on Sunday in Tallah Stadium. Get on down. This is a massive, massive game. The run in is huge. We should be getting six seven thousand for this Sunday five o'clock. Mm-hmm. Big big game. Get yourselves down. Make sure you get tickets. It's huge. It's a huge, huge game. Just um, on sh- before shells, um, a lot of people were kind of saying online we should play the 19s in Mold. Um, <laughs> sure, it was the 19s. Uh, 14s. The 14s or the 15s. Play the kids. The, the, the league is the priority and all this. Um, which it is. Obviously, the league is the priority. But why do, why do people have to take it that, that extreme? You can, you can strike a balance yes. of playing... Six or seven experienced players. Exactly, Rest yeah. the ones who need it, like Gaffney. Um, I left out Gaff, Finn, Lyons, uh, Grace. You know, like mm. there is a there is a lot to be said so for you rotating. You played Jack, did you? No, Jack. Jack's not even here. Okay. Um, it, there's a lot to be said for rotating at the right times. Do you mm. know what I mean? Not just for the crack. But in- interestingly, um, I thought, well, we can't play the nine teams anyway because you can only play your registered squad before the group stage but actually um, don't don't say his nickname again Gary, but Ryan McDyre has told us that there's a rule for under 19s players that Girl. you don't need to register them if they've been at your club for three years so, in so who theory, does that count in for us I don't know the ins and outs now who's been at the club for three years but I'd say most of them have though I mean yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say most have been immersed in the academy now for a few years so I'd say a lot of them would fall into that criteria so but, um, so, so you're saying that we're going to play the 17s <laughs> no I think we're going to play something similar to what <laughs> what you and I have said but 
he's probably going to play Cavill midfield again because he seems to favour him, especially Europe. Personally, I think he's going to play a full strength squad. That's my opinion. Seriously? Yeah, I think Brazzer's going to play a full strength squad. He won't. He won't. He, this is what he does. He wants to win matches. He's too competitive as a person. He's too competitive. He wants hmm. to win games. I think he's going to play a full strength squad. And if he thinks that he can get the best out of his players continuously between now and Shells as well, then that's 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 for him. That, you know what I mean? I think he will. I really think I, I he will. I think if you look at our home form in Europe, he would he not look at the second match as our best opportunity to get points? Yeah. Uh, make sure get the Shells win in the bag. Come back then, four days rest. Um, hopefully get something there. But then you've got is it Drogheda then? On the Sunday? Yeah. No. Um, oh, after that, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think we're looking at a different animal here as regards to Brad's. I think he wants a result. I think he wants a result and he's going to play to that. And you might see a different style from us. You might see a switched up style here. So hmm. that's what I'm going to say. I think the cloud will be back. But well, as we were told defense. by Stig that uh, they played 3-5-2, three, uh, three, same as ourselves. Um, and in an ideal world, we would wrap up this lead title. And then we would have Ghent at home and you, Gordon, in yeah. the last match. Great opportunity to pick up a point or two there when tiredness no longer matters. Yeah. We can actually give it our all, not worry about what's coming around the corner on the Sunday. It's a free hit then. And that would make me look forward to Sweden even more, even though in all likelihood it will be a dead rubber in the end. But um, if the league is wrapped up by then, that's going to be a great trip. Yeah. Having that free hit, possibly. Um, yeah, but that's, that's so. It, yeah, prof. the program. Joey O'Brien is back, and is he, is he <laughs> looking for smoke, prof? Looking for smoke. Um, well, yeah, he did. He did reiterate that he had to stop listening to the podcast because we were slating him. Uh, Lawyers. You keep saying that. Lawyers, Patreon. When did and we everything. slate him? Uh, he said, boxes. "He said, listen three times." So I actually wrote out the word "listen." <laughs> you have to. Yeah, you have to. Um, yeah. Also, I I've done the editorial Ooh. for this program. Oh, I'm very interested in this. That doesn't mean that I'm the editor for this week, Er. Uh, Mr. Goggins took exception to that last time. I'm you, very interested, though. You announced me as the editor. Oh, you then. just do the work for me. He'll take the <laughs> praise, like. But my topic is. Priorities. Oh, I can't wait for this. I'm, I'm actually. I, I feel like I know where you're going with it, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick it up and I'm gonna read. It. I wanna, I wanna see what you come up with. But the league is ultimately the priority because that is the bread and butter. That is what gets you into Europe. Mm. It is the priority. But um, there's two sides to it. Yeah. There's no point in fighting so hard to get there if you try out your 19s. But also, how do you get there again? If you don't win your league, yeah, you I have know, to win your league. I and to, I think it's a big learning curve this year as well as regards to where we know we are, at what level we're at, and the Conference League is our mm. level. So we know what level we're at and we know what to do as regards to getting results in the Conference League next mm. year. We need to add more quality to the squad and we need to build as a club. It's what we're doing. We're gradually doing it and we're doing a great job. So I think this year has been a great learning curve for the club and to just bring us on to the next level. Also an exceptionally tight fixture schedule because yes. of the World Cup. Like Normally... We wouldn't be playing back-to-back weeks. But because this has to be wrapped up by early November, you get this heavy workload. So you you win the league, you get back there next year, hopefully, and we'll be more used to it. Yeah, yeah that's it. But Glenmalore, Prof, we have a raffle. We have a raffle for Glenmalore. So Woolly has been on to us. 
famous Wilberto from Carlo. So there is a raffle for, I think it's their weekly raffle, their weekly lotto, five euro a pop. Darren Heff, Ricky Keegan, Woolly, anybody, get involved, donate some money, and you can get 250 quid, prof. Nice 250 quid, and then the prizes go down gradually. So, And you can get Woolly hats as well. They now have beanie hats with Clemelo Rovers in the front. Very, very snazzy. Same style as the Tifties ones. Hats belonging to Woolly or Woolly hats? Woolly hats. Woolly's hats. Um, Woolly hats being sold by Woolly. Right. So, yeah, get them out 15 quid and check them out on Instagram, Clemelo Rovers. But uh, yeah, that's it, Prof. We are on the cusp mm. of greatness here. On the cusp of 20 mm. league titles. That second star is lingering over us. We so want those two stars. We want those two stars. So best of luck to the 80 or so fans going over to Norway enjoy all of the reindeer mickeys oh no but that is it for this week prop and like we said safe travels to all those going to uh, mould and see us in the south stand for the rings and derby keep on hooping see ya welcome to heaven Welcome to heaven! It was poetic! It was poetic! Jack Bunfors, fantastic! The master in action! Oh la 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 What a goal!